Okay, okay, I'll let you, uh, let's see here, I'll, uh, I'll let you do the intro, um, are you ready when you are? I am Groot. Okay, following is not intended for younger listeners, especially this week's episode, okay? I am Groot. Okay, uh, opinions don't reflect the views of the podcaster's employers, alright, alright, alright? I am Groot. What? That language! Kids, really stay away from this week's episode. Anyway, here's two dudes, one double feature. Welcome, everyone, to Two Dudes, One Double Feature, the show in which two dudes talk two films, and that is about it. I am Dude One, Richard. And I'm Dude Two, Joe. Oh, no, you froze again. No! This was going so well! (laughs) You froze briefly, too, on my end. It's unfortunate. Uh, Very bad. Very bad. (laughs) Very bad. We, We melted. Very bad. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, um, we are we are we are back, folks. For those of you who haven't been listening to the last few episodes, Joey and I um, have been getting ourselves hyped because for our sort of post-vaccination celebration, I guess is a way to explain it. Um, we decided to go to Disney World for an entire week. So that's what we were doing, and we're back now. It's been a couple of days. It's not not a week yet, but it's it's we're a day shy, more or less, right? Like a day, like a day it shy was of a week. A, a week from from our last like full like day, you know, like a week yeah. ago. A week ago, last week, we were you know having ice cream in the room, watching. I, I at least I put on the Muppet Show, um, but you know, yeah. I mean, I was watching it, kind of. I remember um, Vincent Bryce and Harry Belafonte. I mean, I mean, what what else do you need? Honestly, those are some really good episodes that's, of that's that just, show. Listen, you get you give me the Banana Boat song and and uh, Vincent Price, and I all I can do is think of Tim Burton. It, it, so I'm I, happy. And, and on another note, too, uh, it gets me very excited for October with Vincent Price, and that's all I'll say on that. Woo kids um but no so we figured for (laughs) we figured for this uh for this week's pre-show sort of conversation we just kind of talk about that a little bit um but before though before we really get into it i am curious like how how have you been after the vacation because i i'll admit and i said this on twitter i have sort of the post-vacation blues which is probably the most normal feeling i've had in the last almost two years yeah which is such a weird thing, but I don't know. Where have you been kind of sitting at with that? I've been, I've been okay. You know, um, uh, honestly, like, you know, it's, it's one of those things where, cause I had two Disney trips this year. Yeah. So, so you were kind of spoiled. I kind of, yeah, <laughs> I got, I got my fill, uh, you know, but obviously I miss well Allison for one. Cause you know, I hadn't seen her in almost two years. So that was a year, eight months, or whatever the number she, was. She, I know will, she had a, she she had specifics. She will have she has the specifics. <laughs> I know, but <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I let her remember that stuff. 
Um, no, it, <laughs> base, basically, I think the official technical term is a long ass time. So, um, yes, that is all, that also is very appropriate. You know, so we're trying to figure out when the next time is going to be, you know, with things constantly shifting and changing. It's so hard. Like, I think that's, that's one of the trickiest things with, with trying to do anything is, yeah. you know, we make baby steps and then we go one step forward and then we go two steps back as far as that's, that's, that's know. what it seems like. I would say three steps even, especially this last couple of weeks with everything. So I was just saying like, the, like the week we went, because like Delta variant, for example, just going to like pandemic stuff, Delta variants like on the rise and Florida is like a Mecca, like Florida and Louisiana, I guess are like the worst ones from what I've heard. And okay. uh, we went when like case numbers in Florida were like in the in the five digit department. So it's just it wasn't even like we timed it like that. It just happened. Mm-hmm. And so that kind of that kind of sucked. But yeah, sorry. Go ahead. I just wanted to mention that. Um, it's a, did you see that? It was, I was reading on New York Times that it's expected that the the Pfizer is set to get FDA approval. So. Um, it's folks who haven't been vaccinated yet and are please do choosing not to it's coming like it's gonna it's like listen it's like just like anything else like with polio and all the other things that you had to get shots for when you were a kid and if you didn't Mm -hmm. get those shots stay away from me please for one (laughs) please Um, yeah (laughs) you know but um uh, (laughs) beyond all of that um going on this trip one thing i will say was um Again, it relates back to the pandemic. When I went in June, they did not have the the official mask mandate in Disney World. Like, basically, their stance at that time was, if you're not vaccinated, you, we encourage, not encourage, you need to wear a mask inside, but we're not going to ask for proof. Yeah. But when we went, when we went, you need to wear a mask indoors um at at all indoor locations in inside the queues unless you're actively eating or drinking at like a restaurant location and they even said you're not allowed to eat once you get to this point in the queue like with rock and roller coaster a lot of that queue like we were queued up outside and then once you get to the part that's like underneath like shade they're like you have to stop eating at this point yeah um and I have to say, like, I gotta, I, I love that the Disney cast members, like, always applaud Disney cast members, but they were, they were very on top of it as far as like enforcing. That masks. was, I, it, it's weird to say that I felt more safe in Disney than I do like at home, <laughs> like, because we were the minus one time, and I'll mention that here real quick, and it was a very bad situation, but minus one really bad situation, everything was top tier fantastic i i even loved on friday our last day when we got on the boat to go to hollywood studios and they stopped it because someone was wearing their mask wrong i i want i was that was that was beautiful i'm I'm glad that they brought back that back honestly and i kind of figured they would given like the number situation because listen like i i don't think anybody wants to go into another lockdown and I don't know if another lockdown is going to happen, but, and if you're going to keep things open, I think you might as well have things like mask mandates and also just keep encouraging people to get vaccines. Like even the CEO, Bob Chapek, who is not, 
I am not a Bob Chapek fan at all. But he he was even saying, listen, vaccinations are going to be the key with ending this pandemic. Not that he's a medical expert, but it's like, listen, if you like want the world we had before, more or less vaccines can give you that. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Um, So, but I'm trying to think as far as like other stuff, because this was sort of um, a trip where we got to finish up a lot of things you didn't get to do the last time. This I mean, yeah, just for just to put in context for new listeners, um, Joey and I had gone to Disney in what, like 2018? 2019, actually. 2019. 2019. We went to, we went to Disney in 2019, and uh, we had planned initially like a four-day trip, but it got cut short because of Hurricane Dorian, which sucked. And um, <clears throat> it cut off the Animal Kingdom day, because we were going to go to Animal Kingdom and just go crazy there. And we never did that. So, like, we, we did Magic Kingdom twice because we did the Halloween thing that, that, that they were doing at the time. The Mickey's Not-So-Scary not so Halloween Party. Mm-hmm. And we did we did uh, Hollywood Studios, obviously, and First Day at Galaxy's Edge. And then we did Epcot for, like, half a day because then we ended up going to Magic Kingdom, uh, Magic Kingdom later. Um, but then, of course, the hurricane hit, and we were and we we were freaked out because we didn't think that we were going to be able to get home because they shut down the airport. Uh, so that sucked. Um, thankfully, we were able to get out. Then, uh, <laughs> knowing our luck, the the hurricane decided to to curve. Which <laughs> go away? Which I kind of figured it would do something like that, you, but you everyone... did you, you you did say, but then I think the the collective feeling because I did change my flight earlier that day, yeah, to, to early in the like in the morning just just to beat the 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 storm because it was supposed to show up later in that day, um, but uh, because we got the the notice that. The f- that was going to be closed down that, that kind of yeah. scared us a little bit and then yeah. we just jumped ship yeah pretty much and it was one of uh, those it was one of those things where like that was the last time i was on disney property until 2021 um mm. but we we got to do like the big thing we got to big things we got to do so at least for you like um animal kingdom and disney springs mm-hmm. disney springs is is kind of like a like a fancier outlet mall like as it was always described to me and it very much is that but it also has like guy fieri restaurants right next door to a wolfgang puck restaurant which is still funny to me they're used they're to just, like they're like, just next door to each other there used to be a quick service wolfgang puck in disney springs back in the day oh really and there used to be some really good food there but unfortunately it's since has since closed so they just have like the regular wolfgang puck there so. yeah but I mean, Disney Springs was cool, but Animal Kingdom was like next level. Like I like I thought I was gonna like it, but honestly, it was pretty awesome. Like yeah, Pandora. I'm so sad we didn't get to see it at night, but even during the day, it was really cool. Um, Flight of Passage. Like I still bounce in my brain whether or not I liked that more than like Rise of Resistance, which we finally rode uh, during this trip. Because they're both sort of they're, but it's also like apples and oranges because they're like different types of rides. Yeah, but it's like they're both just so good. But I really liked Flight of Passage. Even I, I even liked the the little river ride thing. It's not like you know dynamic or anything, but 
it's it's cool to like see what they did and then the freaking animatronic navi at the end is like the greatest thing i've ever seen yeah the shaman <laughs> like, the river shaman it's, is it's so well made yeah i think she she's one of the best like humanoid like animatronics because for me for me like the best animatronics are the are automatically like the droids in star wars because like <laughs> they're just robots already but like as far as like something so that's supposed to like be a living fits. yeah as far as like a living creature though yeah. like she's she's really incredible it's a fun boat ride um you know and it's nice too because one thing that like we did also did a day at universal I think one thing that Universal misses, in my opinion, is, like, grandma rides, where there are just rides that are mm. just, like, they're chill, you can get out of the heat for a bit, they're not intense, they're just whatever. Like, I know, yeah, Universal, they do have a lot of, like, experience this, and, th- and that's not to say, and that's not to say there aren't, like, gentler rides there, but, like, for the, I feel like for the most part, it really is, like, e-ticket here, e-ticket there i think yeah i think the calmest ride we did is either et which even like even then it has like some like twists to it or the cat was it the cat in the hat ride that cat we did hat. or whatever yeah that one was even like just chill um but speaking of universal um my favorite part of that day was we actually met up with a friend of ours um uh, Allie, Allison Andrews, who is Detective Allison. Yes. In our radio bit that we, little radio drama that we did last year during uh, Halloween. Um, she's she's awesome. She's so cool. I was happy to finally meet her in person. We were going to do that in our last trip, possibly at a Disney Springs day, depending. But of course, you know, what happened happened. But it was nice to finally, even under these circumstances, it was nice to finally get to hang out with her. So that was absolutely, cool. and it helped. It helped too because you know we talk a little bit about the the mask strictness at Disney versus Universal. It wasn't there. Like Universal was just not comfortable for me. No, it was definitely the biggest regret I had as far as like arranging this trip. And I think it's one of those things where I don't think I'm going to go to Universal. At least until they have, like, well, for one, hopefully things get better. But, like, when they have, like, Epic Universe where they have Super Nintendo and, like, the Universal Monsters area. And, you know, something where it's, like, it's more worth it than just a handful of things that I marginally like. (laughs) Yeah. Like, even going into, like, because I was excited to finally check out, like, the Harry Potter stuff. And to see, like, what they did with that, because, like, I always remember seeing pictures and images and, like, how they dressed that one up. But it was so, because it's so cramped and narrow, like, and it's so crowded, you just can't, and it just freaks you out. Like, especially, like, because we watched the wand demonstration at Ollivander's. Like, that was fun, seeing the, like, it was, you know, awesome seeing that little kid get that wand. It was so cool. Um, But going into the shop, no. No, I had I had to get the hell out of yeah. there. <laughs> yeah, no. it, it's yeah, like post post COVID, um, it, it's such a tight area. Like get, like people make fun of Galaxy's Edge because they're like, oh, there's you know not a lot of rides there to do there, and but it's like you know what you were bringing this up. There's at least space, and a lot of the areas there is space, and a lot of the areas are not necessarily like indoor spaces. Like even the marketplace is like a semi indoor thing and like what some yeah. of the quick service is like semi you know sort of outdoorsy 
you know, um, like, and also doesn't help too that I'm more interested in Star Wars than Harry Potter, but that's a whole other thing. <laughs> I mean, you know, that's just <laughs> that, that's just yeah, um, that, personal preference aside. Um, but yeah, but I, I do have to say, like, one of my big like highlights uh, outside of like being reunited with everybody and like as far as like and outside of people stuff, like Rise of the Resistance. I did it on my last trip, but like. I, I think that might be the best attraction I've ever been on. Like, because it it's is... It's very good. It, it is top to bottom, so immersive. It's got a great pre-show. Um, like, even, like, one of the parts of the pre-show feels like a ride. It's like a, feels like a simulator. And then the cast members are outstanding. They play, like, the First Order. Like, basically, Rise of Resistance, you're, you're, you're with the Resistance, but then you get captured... And then you end up in a like a, a star destroyer hangar, basically. And the fir- they don't they th- those cast members are so good at what they do, and they are so intimidating. Like I'm, I'll never forget when I first did it. I like they they were like, make sure you remember your color, sir. What is your color? And I had to look down again because I forgot because I was so scared. <laughs> and he was like, thank you for double checking. <laughs> I just remember Mike. I just remember like Mike and I. Um, we're just standing there stiff. It's like, <laughs> no, don't let them know. <laughs> don't let them um, know. <laughs> and, man, and, and just top to bottom, like, as an experience, like, they don't they don't skimp out, except for the fact that the ride is notorious for breaking down, and, you know, that's Which why. it did once. It did once for us, but. Yeah, on, on, the, on, the, on the Friday the 13th of all yep. days, like, which that day lived up. To yes. its reputation for us a bit. Do you want to br- do you want to bring that up? Uh, the the early. I think it one? needs. I think it needs to be brought up because it, hopefully whoever's listening to this will fix that, if anything in the future. Um, but so let's just okay, just start out the day. Make make a mistake. We had a lot of fun on this trip. It was a great trip, but just this last day kind of sucked, admittedly. So we we're like booking out of Universal because we got to get from Universal back to Disney and we got to get our a new room back at uh, the boardwalk where we were saying which is lovely by the way um, and uh, obviously they got to get our room ready and so in the meantime we're gonna go to the parks and we go to Galaxy's Edge um, because we have uh, a passport or whatever the bo- the boarding pass to do rise of resistance group, again yeah. which which Joey was sort of an expert in getting those super early and getting good times for that um, and so we went, but there was a rope. Said we're temporarily closed for the moment. We're like, okay. So then we decided let's go do other things. Let's look around or whatever. Go do Smuggler's Run. I think I hung out with Allison for a hot second, and she chatted up uh, Ray because Ray was sort of like hanging out in one of the little areas that the characters have to hang out in now since you know COVID. Um, by the way, Ray's awesome. She was yep. very good, and so. Uh, we kept coming back because uh, they would say, "Okay, you're, you know, we're gonna try again." Still, no. We went to Muppet Vision, um, and then uh, we got the notification, so we're rushing this time. We're like, Ugh. and and I'm like hanging back, admittedly, just going, "I hate all of this," because I didn't shower, and I I just felt gross from from Universal. So I may right. have come off a bit grumpier than normal. So I do apologize if that is the case, but it was just no. Um, and I just wanted to like have a moment 
Yeah. But obviously our room our room wasn't even ready till like what four or five o'clock. Yeah, I think it was like, close, like it was like yeah. after four. It, it was wild. Yeah, it it took way too long. Um, so we we finally got uh to the ride and they started boarding us. So we were getting in. You know, we were we did the pre-show. We saw hologram, hologram Ray. We went into the hangar and then. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, unfortunately the ride's not working anymore, so you just have to hang out here until we fix it. Thank you! <laughs> uh, hopefully that's not bad. Um, so then we're just chilling, and like, the hangar's super dope, so you got all the, the stormtroopers around, and uh, you got uh, the, the amazing sort of open gate where you're seeing like TIE fighters and stuff, so it's cool to like hang out in there for a little bit, but of course it didn't last very long until someone else came up and said... Attention, uh, it's gonna take longer to fix this, uh, so you're gonna have to leave now. Okay, goodbye. It's, I'm paraphrasing, but essentially it's the gist of it. So they gave us new boarding passes, like a, like a refund ticket or whatever, so we can come back, like a fast pass ticket to come back and do the ride whenever it was ready. Um, and so I, at this point, at least for me personally, I'm, I'm like, just, I'm faded, I'm tired, I'm stinky. I'm just not having it. Like, I may have come off like an asshole probably at some point, and so <laughs> I hope I didn't. Um, no, but because uh, because I I definitely was an asshole, but that's a whole other uh, that's a whole but, other. Thing. But we'll, we'll, anyway, so um, so I was hoping I was hoping like okay, if Res Resistance didn't give me that pickup I was hoping for, um, we did have Olga's. And I was excited to check out Olga's because I'd never done it before. Olga's it's Cantina like, in Galaxy's Cantina. Edge. Yep. And so we got to our we got to the place, we got to our reservation, we went in, I was like, okay, this looks pretty cool. And then they sat us at our booth, and I'm like, wait, there's someone in our booth. What what do you mean? Why is there someone in our booth right now? And we sat down and we're and I'm I'm literally like, are they leaving? Like, what what is happening? And then Allison had mentioned that, well, they have this thing because they're always so booked up. They have to double book a booth sometimes with different people, and I and and immediately I go. So you're telling not my not to her. I say it in my head, but I say, are are you telling me that this place with a new strict mask policy is allowing random groups of people to come together in a small space in the only type of place where you have to take your mask off? What the actual hell? This makes no sense to me what is happening and i i was like i wanted to leave i wanted to get out i didn't want to be there anymore i didn't know who these people were none of them had masks on but of course they're eating so why would they have masks on and i i was like okay i'll just order whatever i'll get my drink i'll drink it under my mask with a straw if they give me a straw i, I had a moment where i was like are they gonna give me a straw if they don't it's just gonna sit there and everyone's gonna go why aren't you drinking like I just don't want it right now. <laughs> Why'd you order it? I don't know. I want to leave. Thank you. So <laughs> this was a moment. So I drank it. And then I think at one point, um, and I, and again, this is where I might have come off dickish. So I do apologize to Allison, but, um, she comes over. She's like, so what'd you think? And I'm like, she's like, so like, you, so do you like it? I'm like, it's fine. And she's like, are you all right? I'm like, I want to leave. <laughs> she's like, oh, and I'm like, yeah, I don't want to be here. So, so I'm just like, so she just kind of turned back. So again, I do apologize, Allison. Oh God, I hit my cord. Um, so finally we left and that at that moment I was done. 
like the rest of the day was over for me. Um, I you guys decided to go back and rise the resistance. I you got to ride it again, I believe, right? Yeah, and I also so you, you got you got on. If I could chime in for like one minute, like it, it's interesting too, because like with that v- viewing of it, like things were diff like were different. Like obviously, when we tried to get on, we spent some time in the hangar, which doesn't always happen because they're trying to get you on the ride. But with this time, the Kyle Ren animatronic wasn't working, so we got to see like the quote unquote like B mode. Where it's not the animatronic that approaches you, it's, like, him in his TIE fighter, and, like, he's in a, it's a screen, obviously. But it's still, like, it was pretty cool to see the alternate version, but that's a whole other thing. But, but I was happy you guys ended up going on it, but I was like, I, I need a moment. So I just, I, uh, gra- I held the bags or whatever, or... I, I didn't know if I I didn't hold the bags that time. I don't, I don't remember with, I with Rise. It's yeah. not it's not one where you really no. need somebody to hold the bags. Admittedly, no. But I was in the I was in bag holding mode. I guess is what it was, and I was chilling. I did a little shopping at the little um, carts that they have for Rise of Resistance merch. I got this cool jacket, which I I still love. Um, and I checked. I was watching families get their picture taken in front of the Tie Fighter, the blue one that they have outside of Rise of Resistance. The X Wing. Oh yes, thank you. The I just want to make sure you don't get pounded on by whoever listens to this show. That's what I gotta say. <laughs> and by whoever, I mean I mean Allison and Feehan. Eh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, but no. So I was just kind of checked out at that point because that was a really bad experience. It was again the one very bad experience in an otherwise very safe uh, environment at yeah. Disney World. Yeah. So, yeah, no, but, yeah, yeah, no, no, yeah. If you go ahead, if you no, wanted to, we add we something. we've been over twenty five minutes. So I'm just trying to. <laughs> it, this is I know. No, I mean, gonna, it's it's a big thing. It's a big thing. So it, it is. Yeah, it is. That's fine. Yeah. I just listen. I'm also thinking about myself when I am um, uh when I'm going to edit this episode <laughs> in a couple days. I I understand. I understand that. But you know what? We'll we'll try to con. We'll try to condense. It, it'll be fine. I Listen, I don't have to deal with three tracks this episode, so getting so a little good. longer is not so bad. But <laughs> so, so, so that's good. So, um, um, yeah. But no, I I did. Besides that one day, honestly, and mostly Universal outside of just well, actually, Universal wasn't that bad because we got to hang out with Allie, and you know, we got a lot of the rides were actually really cool. Like I liked the Mummy ride, and I liked Spider Man was really fun. Spider Man's great. So there was definitely some fun to be had, and I got a gr- I got a cool Jurassic Park hat to replace the hat I was wearing on the trip. So I was very happy about that, and it's hanging on my door currently. Um, nice. So yeah, and and overall, like it was nice. Like I remember walking into Magic Kingdom on our like our I think was it the first day because then we went to Magic Kingdom after Animal Kingdom, or was it the second day? Well, this well the second like like the like the first like full day we did Animal Kingdom and we went to Magic Kingdom in the evening. Yeah, pretty sure. So going into Magic Kingdom like that felt like I was there. Like like I was I was just like basking in it. You know, like Disney. Yeah. <laughs> Which is what if you're a Disney nerd, that's the only thing. It's like Disney. I'm home. Whereas everyone else is like Disney. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I had a lot of fun. Uh, listen, like just, I was, uh, you know, and I'm also just really glad that you and Mike 
had each other on this trip. <laughs> Mike was my soulmate on this uh, trip, let's I'm, be honest. <laughs> I'm also really glad Dom, uh, Allison's brother, got to go on the trip. It was really cool hanging shout out, out with shout him. Shout out to Dom. Um, and, you know, he had, he had some Epcot excursions, too. Or, like, you know, he had other yeah. just, like... He got you know to what? he got to have a solo adventure in Epcot, so that's fun. So, because that's the other thing I say about too, it's like, yeah, this is a group. I I'd love to do things the five of us, but it's also it's ultimately it's your vacation, it's my vacation, it's Allison's vacation, it's Mike's vacation, it's Dom's vacation. So, you know, important to remember stuff like that. I think I think one of my favorite like solo moments was I was walking because I was trying to get pins for our for Ford mutual friend, uh, friend of the show. Um, who wanted to see if I can snag him some Splash Mountain pins, but I couldn't find any. But I got him some other pins because he's he's doing pin collecting, so he's got. But he's got to get a new board. He sent me a picture, so he's he's full up. But I st- uh, on my way to Magic Kingdom, or on my way to Splash Mountain to the gift shop area, I stopped and said, "You know what? I want a Dole Whip." And you know what I did? I went and got a Dole Whip. And I found a spot, and I sat down, and I called my mom, who was getting McDonald's at the time, and I said, "Hi, <laughs> I'm a, I'm at Disney, and I'm eating a Dole Whip. It's great." Uh, <laughs> that was one of my favorite solo moments. Going a Dole Whip, <laughs> getting a Dole Whip is is great, honestly. And you got your churro. I finally got the churro. This is, it was legendary. I had a little 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 thing of chocolate to, to dip it in. It was so good. Because oh. whenever I saw that, like advertise i'm like i don't know how much the chocolate's gonna add to this but i'm like listen i can't imagine having churros without chocolate (laughs) (laughs) it's just like like even when you're on the last bit like there's a little bit of chocolate i'll get it hold on (laughs) i'm gonna get it oh so good it was so worth it oh my other favorite thing in the trip um for those of you who've never been on star tours it's like the, the old star wars ride before they did galaxy's edge um they randomly, like, select a person to be, like, the rebel spy. <laughs> and my girlfriend, who is very much into Darth Vader and all things, like, She's the se- Empire. Self-proclaimed imperialist. Self-proclaimed, yep. She says. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, that she was the rebel spy. And, <laughs> you know, I-, I didn't think I was going to bring it up as much as I have, but... It's kind of great. It's so funny. It's kind of funny. <laughs> it's so, the best part. Shout out to my favorite Mike. rebel spy, Allison. Yeah, and I was also just glad to do Jungle Cruise. I'm glad you got to do Jungle Cruise during the day. Um, you know, the last time you did, you did it at night. Especially because it was funny because that was the first... Because um, the movie came out, well, you know, that was like a yes. big movie. They were advertising, and that was the first Disney Park theme... Or theme park ride movie... That I had seen after riding the ride. So that was just kind of a fun little coincidence. But, you know, it was overall, the trip was a lot of fun and I was happy. I was comfortable, which was my biggest concern, especially given the current state of Florida and everything going on there. But I was very comfortable at Disney. So minus one Olga's Cantina incident, um, I want to thank the Disney cast members and everyone for being great. I want to give a shout out to Linda from Astabula. Who was nice and and uh, was very courteous to us, and she was awesome uh, when we met her. Real lo- lovely, lovely individual for sure. So yeah. So do you have any final? As I know, we, we got to probably start talking about this movie now. But <laughs> so final final words. <laughs> I <Sorry>. mean, <laughs> no, it's fine. It's fine. There, there, there's so much. I mean, it's always just good to be. I I, I love Disney. It is like for me, like a, like a 
it's going to sound corny. It is like a second home, you know, um, and uh, it, 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 it was nice to be there with, with some, with some of my favorite people. Um, and it, it's, it's, it's fun to like, as like, uh, as somebody who's close to 30 to enjoy it without being like a kid, you know, and having to like be, you know, Oh, you got, you can only go. Oh my gosh. Are you just pointing at yourself? <laughs> what is going on here? Yeah. Cause I am, I am currently 30 and I still enjoyed myself. I'm glad. <laughs> Oh. Or maybe that just means I have no life. I don't know. Listen. <laughs> oh, God. I, stick, I need a wife and kids. Me, just stick me in the Pirates of the Caribbean queue. <laughs> Play that, like, old Pirates of the Caribbean music. Just let me go on that boat ride. I'm, I'm good to go. So, anyhow, speaking of of things that are uh, th- that are Disney. Disney. Is this, <laughs> is this, is this movie cool? Hell yeah, it's cool. <laughs> it's cool. <laughs> this movie's cool, y'all! I'm Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, y'all! <laughs> so yeah, um, so this is a double feature show, so let's get, uh, you know, we gotta talk about our first movie. <laughs> yes. Um, uh, yeah, okay. This just, was, th- just can, can, this was a last minute change to the show. Yes, because of the trip. Because, because of uh, mo- another, our second movie, which we watched... Um, during the trip and we both well, I mean I already had fallen in love with it prior um, but the uh, the the experience of watching it together on the trip is what prompted the birth of this episode um, which is essentially a tribute to James Gunn because um, in case like James Gunn he's he's been killing it lately he's probably mostly known as the Guardians of the Galaxy guy he made the two movies and was and pretty much wrote all the stuff for the characters in like Endgame and Infinity War and whatever. Um, and uh, he also did uh, prior to that he was known for like his stuff with Troma, which was like an underground label, like you know low budget horror, goofy type movies. Um, and he also did two other movies prior to that called Slither and Super, which Super is a very uncomfortable movie, but I still recommend it. Um, and Slither is is a very is a very fun movie, not as uncomfortable, and I recommend it. Uh, <laughs> so we wanted to sort of do an episode to talk about James Gunn, who's made movies that we both very much love. And while he is mostly probably, it would have probably would have made more sense t- to some people to talk about the first Guardians of the Galaxy. This young man in front of me, almost thirty individual <laughs> i'm 28 um i'm 28 <laughs> <laughs> this this guy in front of me um has a special love for guardians of the galaxy volume 2 and plus both movies are sequels so that just made sense uh so our first movie as joey has said and as as we've pretty much made clear is guardians of the galaxy volume 2 um but is would you is this your favorite like mcu movie easily no question yeah i like i it's like, because people, because it's one of those where it, it certainly has, like, a mixed reception, I feel like. Like, if you talk to some people, and they go, this is, like, garbage. Like, this has poop jokes. This is, like... I have sensitive nipples. I, I, I Like, this is nipple... Dave Bautista saying nipple jokes. There, there's a guy named Taserface? What? <laughs> and then you talk to people like me, who go, Ha ha! I have famously huge turds! And I'll just... <laughs> enjoy like this is one of those movies like there's some movies where it's like it takes time for me to like grow to something and like warm up to it 
immediately the first time I saw this movie, I'm like, this is my favorite Marvel movie and one of my favorite movies, period. What was it? What was it that connected to like what was it that really made you go this is fantastic was it a bunch of things or was it like it, just small like something specific uh, well like, yeah i think it's one of those it's one of those movies that i feel like it has the whole package like a, as far as like a movie like visually amazing i love the characters there's a, a little bit of romance a little bit of like a romance dynamic <laughs> an unspoken I, thing an unspoken thing i like romances i'm i'm like you know yeah i'm like the old lady who's like oh my gosh will they will they kiss yeah, I'm, that know, kind, I'm that kind of audience member but uh it, i think it's really funny um mm-hmm. and i think it's it's i think it's very well written uh well directed and um also the, the big thing too uh it's a movie about dads and being a dad it is very much a movie about dads and uh for those of you who have not listened to the show before um i lost my dad at a very young age I was um, I was six years old, and so I've I have very faint memories of my dad, um, and it's one of those things where, in a sense, like Peter Quill, how he says like, "Oh, I used to tell people like David House off my dad." I'm like, in a sense, I, I never used to go that far, but like I would I would like almost see like Har- people like movie stars I would watch in movies like Harrison Ford, or a big one for me mm-hmm. as a kid was Hugh Jackman because Hugh Jackman was in the X Men movies, and of course. Um, future at some point two dudes movie uh van helsing (laughs) (laughs) the potential future installment of two dudes one double feature movie van helsing um but also because again like i think it's like again it makes me think of um the empire strikes back in a lot of ways in that it's a great sequel to a great movie guardians of the galaxy Mm -hmm. the first one is a really really good movie and probably in my top still my top three like favorite mcu movies um, and I think it's one of those that, like, in a lot of ways, I think improves on a lot of stuff from the first one, you know, but we can explore that as we, as we go on. I, I, I said right. a lot right there. So I mean, you- I was just curious, I, I, cause between the two of us, you have more of a connection to it than I do. I, I yeah, yeah. So I, was, I, I, I think, so I thought that was important. I think it's one of those movies where I feel like I am the biggest fan of this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's, that's how I feel about like Batman forever sometimes. And then I talk to other people, and I'm like, you exist. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, I I will admit, like, I did like this movie, but I only ever make... Because I did make fun of it a lot, but I you only did. made fun of it knowing that you liked it so much. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, you know, Guardians 2, it's alright. <laughs> just, just thinking in my head, it's you listening to me go... I'm like, do you not do you not know you're talking about the Citizen Kane of Chris Pratt movies? Yeah, it's like, no, I am. That's the point. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I do. I, 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 full disclosure, I do very much like Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two, and I think I've, I've liked it more uh, with subsequent viewings because it is, it is very ridiculous, and I think. It's one of those movies that I think um, breaks the mold with Marvel movies a little bit, because I do talk a lot about uh, superhero movies, especially MCU movies, that sort of have to like be self-aware to a degree that it's a little annoying. Yeah. And like, I think Guardians 1 has a bit of that self-awareness in a way, but I think Volume 2 just, like, for, just lets it out the window and just goes ham and doesn't even care. The first one is it's an MCU movie with like a slight a slight James Gunn like flavor shot 
Mm-hmm. Like, whereas the second one is a bit more, <laughs> a bit more of a gun <laughs> thing. It, it it's it's gun first, ask questions later. Yes, uh, <laughs> um, or just don't even bother to ask questions. No, but like, it's just it's it's a movie that knows what kind of story it is, and then just has fun with it, and. We have characters make, like, the characters, they make these, like, you know, silly, childish jokes, like poop jokes and and nipple jokes or whatever, but it's not like it doesn't fit the character. You know, like, if it was, like, if it it was a character, if it was Captain America saying I have famously huge turds, that'd be the dumbest thing ever. (laughs) It's like Venom saying a turd in the wind. (laughs) You know what? But the funny thing is that turn of the wind line might be the redeem one of the. Redeemed <laughs> gonna, that you know, I, I I thought about that and I was like, you know, I might backtrack that a little bit. <laughs> like maybe <laughs> no, that did fit like, a little bit. But but also too, I I do feel like a lot of it is like delivery, because you could have like the greatest script for something, like like Shakespeare. You know, you could have like some of the most like wonderful language printed on the page, and you got people read. Romeo, Romeo, where are thou? Huh? Romeo, where are you? It's the delivery and like the way it's directed is is so important, you know. Mm-hmm. So like when 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 Dave Batista talks about his famously huge turds, or it's like ah my nipples, like <laughs> ah! it's hyster- like, oh my god that shot <laughs> gets me every time. <laughs> just him flying away, just ah. <laughs> <laughs> or, or or just okay like the taser face thing like that yeah. whole that whole thing like i feel like if you didn't have the act like if you didn't have bradley cooper f- firing on all cylinders with his <laughs> delivery of that it would be a stupid scene because i was thinking about it i'm like if you just read that straight you'd be like james what are you doing what why is this in this movie? what is like, going this on is just, what is the joke here it's like this dumb name all right, but you're gonna, you're gonna. F, where's the where's the stank on that? You know but, what I'm saying? And and like I just love like the the commitment to some jokes. Like one of the best uh, other like great scenes is Baby Groot trying to find uh something for Yondu. <laughs> <laughs> the moment he brought a severed toe, I was done. I was like, oh my god! I was laughing. I was so I was laughing. I was like, are you kidding me? That's the that's so funny. It, it, it's such a it, it, it's oh my god. <laughs> we just found one thing that never but, discuss this. Uh, no, let's never discuss this again. But um, but it's it's kind of the the fun of like a good James Gunn movie too. Is just that he he knows how to like do something that like a severed toe seems gross, but you have someone so cute as Groot holding it <laughs> and you're like you're, you're kind of like pause you're, you're paused for a second you're going okay <laughs> I, I know what i'm looking at I, I have mixed emotions <laughs> but also too i think another thing for people with this movie is like sometimes like and i can understand why some people might not resonate as much sometimes like like there's like a moment of drama and then it'll, there'll be a moment of humor right afterwards and sometimes that doesn't work for everybody and it's something that Marvel, I think, has sort of done to death. Yeah. Like, I think of the scene in Doctor Strange when he's putting his cape on and he has that, like, heroic moment and he pops the collar and he's like, yeah, but then it, like, for some reason has to, like, tickle his face or something. Like, why? Yeah. You couldn't just let that scene linger? 
You couldn't just let it go and then have some like cool action. Like, come on, that's what this they do this in comics and suit. Come on, just let it happen. I, I was thinking about like the the scene where Nebula is like talking about what she's going to do to Thanos, basically, mm-hmm. and, like you know, tear him rip, limb from limb, whatever, all that, and piece by piece, and then, and then Sean goes like, yeah, uh. yeah. <laughs> I thought you were going to get a pretty necklace or a nice hat. <laughs> <laughs> like, it, like, it, ooh, that's nice. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, it's like there's just a lot of like great, like just just comedic things. I mean, and I think everybody mm-hmm. in this movie is great. I don't, I don't think there's no, any yeah. role where I'm like, you might need to recast this or like this, this, this feels off. No one's in the movie sticks out at all in a like a bad way. Everyone sort of is like. It's it. Everyone works together really well, and everyone works on their own very well. Yeah, like I think about, um, I think about the sovereign. Like mm-hmm. that, they're all so funny. <laughs> like shout out to Elizabeth Debicki, who I, I I've only ever I haven't really seen her in a lot of like comedic stuff. Like like the closest thing probably to comedic I've seen her in is probably the Man from Uncle. Uh huh. Yeah, but like, I because like I remember her in like Widows, Tenant. She's normally like a more like uh, serious, intense character. But like to see her as like this go- fully painted gold, um, and I always forget she's in the movie. But I love whenever she shows up, I love her. So a shout out to Elizabeth Debicki on that note. Uh, but like, I even love like when she's sitting in the throne, which is such a like beautifully elaborately designed throne. Then she gets up, and then what you think is a crown is just attached. And I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah, it just I I just like because it's a, it, I I think one of my things with the Guardians movies, it's a nice diversion from what we're normally used to with Marvel, where we just see mm-hmm. gray buildings and like a, a, a real city shots in atlanta and it, you know and it, and it's like and james gunn actually because like i remember when he was boasting about using um the red digital cameras on this one it's like one of the first marvel movies to do that and like that the the picture quality you get from a camera like that is 10 times better than anything that they were getting in previous marvel movies so like when that comes out it sort of feels like a game changer even though it's not really it just feels so different compared to what we were getting before yeah like, and I just and he even it, uh, like he. Sorry, I don't know. Cut up, but like he, he even uh, if if it wasn't for him, Disney wouldn't have released 4K movies because he he pushed for Guardians two to get a 4K release, and ever since then, 4K releases have been a thing with Disney. There you go. So there I mean, if 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 that's not evidence that he cares about the image quality, like me, whenever I'm like, I need HD. <laughs> or else this is stupid <laughs> I, I think about um not to go back to the trip but like when they were at the um that we were at the universal makeup show i i I, mm-hmm. I just did a hard turn at you when they were like anybody who has like a, has a fear of standard definition this guy <laughs> oh, I'll, I'll admit to it full on but and like the character the character dynamics just, they, they they feel they feel so good they feel they feel pretty fresh you know, like it, it, it just, it just, it, it, like the chemistry just works very well. But one thing I, I really have to talk about is like how much, like, like the, in the first movie, I feel like a couple, I don't want to say weak points, but like areas that I didn't feel like were as focused on. 
or like as mm-hmm. like whatever in the first movie like developed developed like nebula yondu and to a certain extent i would even say gamora um mm-hmm. you know even which is weird to say even though she's a pretty important character in the movie but like i really feel like we really we really just get a whole lot more to those characters i'd almost argue the first movie was really kind of I think they both are, but, like, the first one it felt more Peter Quill-centric with sort of the rest of the Guardians sort of playing, like, supporting characters, whereas I think the second one, I think everybody... Because, like, I don't... I can't think of a moment in the first movie, really, where we... Besides introductions, where we have a, a single solitary moment with those characters when Peter's not there. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, like, obviously, when we first meet Rocket and Groot, it's the... You know, we meet them there by themselves, but of course, you know, what happens, happens. And so, like, with this one, like, we get a whole scene with just Rocket. And he gets to shine a little bit. I think Rocket is sort of, like, in a way, like, because we talk about Grumpy and Snow White. And being, like, you know, even though he is Grumpy, Rocket's the Grumpy of this movie. Like, he, like, he's Grumpy, but he is kind of the heart of the movie in a lot of ways, too. Because, like, I he's that, that. kid. He's that character. He's ar- that, he's arguably uh, the, like the most emotionally vulnerable out of all of them, you know, because he tries to be like the tough. He tries to be like the t- really like the tough guy, you know. Tries to say like clever lines, and say the, he's the best, the the asshole, yep. essentially, as they call it. yeah. Because like he he says some really terrible things. <laughs> like I still think about like the whole orphan boy line when he says that to Quill, and I'm like, damn. Did you, did you really have to lay it on that? Like, come on. Like, you're still friends, aren't you? And I love, like, even, like, Yondu's like, wow. You're, <laughs> like, you're just... Are you a professional asshole? It's like, oh, pretty much bro. Pretty much bro. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I even, like, uh, like, 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 um, where it's just like, you know, I almost had, like, a warm, like, fuzzy feeling until I saw those god-awful teeth. <laughs> <laughs> god damn it. Uh, but and then speaking of like individual moments, um, the whole we had a whole story arc with Nebula and Gamora, you know, and they're like kind of conf- confronting their their childhood like relationship with with Thanos and you know sort of pitting sister against sister and Nebula sort of being manipulated the way she was to the point where like she has this drive to fight Gamora and be the better of the two at times, but also like she just wanted a sister, but you know what happened happened and she got like genet she got modified cybernetically <laughs> like what a father you know <laughs> and again and you know what it goes back to dads it all that's what this movie is about it all it all go it really all goes back to dads and primarily primarily a lot of the dads we're talking about here um you know being both both biological but also dads you come across in your throughout your life and and I think it's this is this is that point where we talk about arguably one of the best MCU villains in the the pantheon of MCU villains, and that is frickin' David Hasselhoff. I thought you were gonna say <laughs> Alan Horn. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. No. Um, David Hasselhoff. D- David Hasselhoff. <laughs> yeah, let's go. No. <laughs> but no, but no, ego. No. Ego. Ego. Kurt Russell. Which okay. Here's another thing with this movie, too. Like, you know, it has all those other elements as far as like a complete package, but also fan service. Uh, 
um, which you know can be a dirty word sometimes, but like yeah, you like I never thought we would get ego in a movie. Ego, like in the comic, is a living planet. <laughs> he's a he's a freaking planet. The only other planet I can think of in comics that's living like a living planet is I think in the in the Green Lantern Corps there is a member is a planet. Mm-hmm. But other than that, that's the only one I can, only other one I can think of. But yeah, Ego the Living Planet. Because like one of my favorite cartoons, I love like the Fantastic Four cartoon from the nineties. It's one of my fa- one of my favorite shows. I still watch it time to time. It's on Disney Plus. Check it out, especially season two. Like the second, like the la- like the last thirteen episodes in particular are really good. The Doctor Doom voice actor is better. All that stuff. But Ego was on that show, and also the Watchers. We got the Watchers in this movie. <laughs> Jeffrey Wright showed up, ladies and gentlemen. Because <laughs> that was always that was always a big thing amongst Marvel fans was like the like because Stan Lee has all these cameos in these movies, so people used to joke mm. like, "What if Stan Lee is the same person in all of these, but he's just a watcher, like the the Mike the Marvel comics like race?" Yeah, and the, he's not necessarily a watcher, but he's hanging out with them, and and then he he <laughs> talks about being a Federal Express man in Civil War. Even though technically Guardians Volume Two takes place before Civil War, <laughs> yeah, uh, but that's a so, whole other that's a whole other thing. Um, but no, Kurt Russell, though, yes, let's get back to Kurt Russell. There's never a moment I think I've ever been disappointed in seeing him show up in a movie. If I'm he being honest, so good. like, like when he shows up in the movie, like, like he's got some like ridiculous lines, but he delivers them perfectly. Like I love, um, like like you were talking about, like dramatic thing going into a joke, which you know in this movie it tends to work. You know he's, um, you know, telling Peter that you know he's happy to have finally met him at the campfire, and then he just goes, "Excuse me, gotta take a whiz." <laughs> <laughs> or um, when Drax, uh, in a different moment, Drax goes, "Did you make yourself a penis?" And it becomes this whole thing between Drax and Peter about why. Peter doesn't want to hear about his dad's penis or being with his mom at all. And Drax is like, why? It's beautiful. And then, of course, the best, this is one of my favorite lines outside of Mary Poppins, y'all, is just Kurt Russell going, yes, Drax, I've got a penis. <laughs> it's just so stupid, but it's so funny. But, and it's but very again, good, like too. The char- the char- the, the, again, like, the character dynamics are perfect. Like, because so Dave Batista, listen, like, I know people give Batista crap sometimes for saying, like, he's an actor and that he appears in, like, uh, Stuber and, like, other things, but I, he's a legitimately great actor, and I will I will hear I will hear nothing else. Like, he is... Listen, mm-hmm. for the two seconds... Basically two minutes that he's in Blade Runner 2049, I feel like that's better than most things that win Oscars. I'm sorry. Like, I'm sorry. Meryl Streep, go home! Just stop! <laughs> Well, hold on. Don't be don't be dissing on the street. What should you do? Listen, I've never been a fan, but that's just me. <laughs> oh no! Yeah, like Ugh, add uh, this with Leo, I guess. Uh, it, it, she's in the Leo house. <laughs> she's in the Leo oh, house. No, <laughs> no. Uh, no, they're very talented, I, and they've c- done things. That I like. I'm being <laughs> I'm being a little jokey. I'm sorry. Good grief. It's just funny. <laughs> You just know people. I like how you have to. I like how you have to backtrack that a little bit. Like, own it, man. You don't like Meryl Streep. It's fine. I don't, but I have to be careful because there are people who are very sensitive, and you have to handle them with kid gloves. 
Oh, I'm so sorry that uh, that this person that, that you like is not among my favorites. Oh, the oh baby. <laughs> Good God. Dave Batista. Let's just get back to that. Dave Batista is amazing. <laughs> I probably could have praised Dave Batista without that nonsense, but I'm keeping it in anyway. So <laughs> it makes me laugh. It's stay. Like it. It's staying in. Dave Batista. Dave, he's got sensitive nipples. D- Dave Batista has a, a sensitive nipples, but he's very good. He's just very good. Um, but I ego, do like him as Drax a lot. He is very good as Drax. But ego. We got to talk about because you know this is Star Lord's biological dad. Because in the first movie, we know he has a special—he's a special kind of heritage. He's not just mm-hmm. an Earthling; he's an Earthling. He's Earthling plus. He's—he is essentially like you know that extra money you have to pay to get like the good stuff on, you know, Hulu, yeah, or whatever, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, or if you want to get the package with Disney Plus, Hulu, and ESPN. That the, the whole bundle, but <laughs> but basically, like you know, Star Lord's like you know he he at first Star Lord's like you know this could be a trick of some sort, like you know there's a, there's a bit of a hesitancy there also because it's, like yeah, for especially after all that time, after all that time like, you didn't come before. And then it was like, well, when I heard someone held an Infinity Stone and didn't die, that's when I was like, that's got to be my kid. <laughs> yeah, that's got to be my kid. Um, and I think one of the best things about the performance is like, you know, ego is going to be bad because he's ego. But if you're somebody who doesn't, who doesn't read like the comics or know that ego is just a bad guy and you just think the sovereign, like whoever's going to be a bad guy, I think they do, they do some interesting things with ego's character to make it, to sort of divert your attention away from him potentially being a villain. Like Mm. the scene where he's trying to help Peter get the power, like, you know he just wants to see if this guy can be his battery. It basically, it'd be yeah, like another basically. ego. Yeah. But and then it turns into catch. They play catch, which is a seminal like father son thing. And I'm just like, mm-hmm. oh god! And I was melting when I first saw that. And it's <sighs> always just like, man. <sighs> but then of course, you got that turn and Kurt Russell, like like Kurt Russell, he very much plays the kind of cl- villain type of like you know what i'm doing i don't think is wrong like he does believe what he's doing is the right thing but he doesn't realize what he's doing is very selfish yeah and um colonialism basically uh <laughs> yeah i mean yeah like that's the other thing too is like th- this white man is trying to spread his uh spread his seed let's we'll say seed <laughs> yes because it's, it's a seed it's a it's, pod it's his pod you know uh spread <laughs> his know. seed across the galaxy and oh my gosh the craziest or like obviously like the big thing is like we find out that he puts he was one that put the tumor in 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 his mom's head <laughs> and you're just like god damn that that when that because like it was one thing because you knew it was like the villain thing was coming and you knew he was starting to manipulate him we at that point we'd already seen the dead bodies of his other kids in the cave and so we we knew something was coming but the moment he says i put the tumor in your mother's head and that beautifully done zolly shot by the way like like probably one of the best ones i've seen in a long time uh perfectly executed and like the sort of like galaxy eyes that Peter Quill has that he was like entranced by with ego yeah. just fade away and he just goes what <laughs> and then he's like 
well, now hold on. And then he just starts shooting the shit out of him. And you're like, fuck you. I didn't want to do the F word. I'll save that one for later. But <laughs> screw you, man. <laughs> screw you. <laughs> like that, that was, that was more earned than I think. Um, Cause like, I, it makes me think of like in Man of Steel when, uh, you know, Oh no. When he's like, you know, you threatened my mother. And it's like, and it's, I think it, I think it's a decent enough moment. But in in Guardians two, I, I, not to compare whatever, but damn, does that hurt? And then yeah. to just add, just to like kick you while you're down, he crushes the Walkman, which is like yeah, it's like it's it's his toy, but it's like also got the tape, which is his mom's tape, it's his connection. one connection he still has with his mother, and now it's dust. So and, and it also is a perfect encapsulation. Like, in, so when you when you get to infinity war later on it makes sense why peter would flip out like that mm-hmm. like it, it's it's in his character to do something like that if he didn't do something like that that would be bad i think that would be just terrible writing honestly yeah. which is this a call to all the people that hate on peter quill <laughs> it is it moment? is because i i also i also feel like a lot of people are like almost too logical when they think about mm, this stuff, yes, like, I agree, hundred percent. Well, well, obviously, if you just waited two damn seconds, Peter, you could have just waited, and then you could have beat the crap out of Purple Grimace, and then could have gone on with it, and we could have saved the universe. But no, you had to be a little bitch and do what you did. And be like, you would not be that logical. I don't think anybody would be that logical. They would beat the crap out of out of out of Josh Brolin Grimace. I'm sorry. Yes, they yes, would. I but agree. One hundred percent agree. It's just uh, Meryl Street fans. Peter Quill haters, go to hell! I don't have time for those people. They're probably, like a Venn diagram, Meryl Street fans and, and Peter Quill haters, it's just a circle. It's not a Venn diagram at that point. <laughs> it's, it's just all the same thing. It's just the same, it's the same thing. I don't probably not vaccinated, too. It is such an effective moment, and you really just, um, you really just hate him, so his guts so much. Like, that's the real shift. Like, you were, like, you kind of were skeptical, but you were, like, you were just charmed by Kurt Russell. Yeah. And then that moment happens, you're like, piece of shit, I hope you die. And he does, thankfully. Uh, but <laughs> on that note, I, we do have to talk about the other big, like, father of the movie, Yondu. Savant. I mean, Yandu. <laughs> Sorry, I jumped ahead. Um, different movie. But yeah, yep. Yandu. Mm-hmm. Mary Poppins. Yep. <laughs> um, no, Yandu, obviously, like, we met him in the first movie. Michael Rooker, fantastic. Um, he, obviously, he comes off as this sort of intense, like, kind of funny, but, like, roughhousing kind of guy. You know, thief, charming kind of guy. And, you know, obviously Peter mentions he always had a bad relationship with him because, like, the only reason he kept him is because he was small and he's good for thieving. And if Peter ever talked back, he'd be like, we're going to eat you. Or, like, he would talk about, like, you know, they wanted to eat you, but I said no. They never had any time before. <laughs> but, um, um, as we learn, obviously, Yondu, and especially, like, because Yondu has, like, a huge moment in in the film you know with like the sort of change and like sort of the realization that yeah maybe maybe i did care about peter and um maybe i did love him like a son and so 
we have that really kind of lovely moment at the end where you know he says he may have been your father but he wasn't your daddy and you sort of and then he dies and you're just like you're you're it's so many emotions in that end <laughs> like you hate you hate kurt russell but then you love yondu and you don't want him to die he is very poppins y'all and yondu yondu feels like a real like dad like mm. you know and speaking as somebody who's um you know i i don't want to say like father with your experience th- my experience you know yeah father figures who might not be who, who are not your father and sometimes they think they're saying something that's like funny and you might take it a little too like you might be and you're a kid you're just like what what the hell was that what do you what i don't like you like you know kind of thing and i definitely thought about that a lot uh with yondu so i thought michael rooker and and the writing and directing of james gunn really did a great job capturing like it's mm-hmm. it's tough to be a dad <laughs> you know um, i mean like your personal experience i mean you're you're you've sort of been like you know not to talk for you obviously but you know you you've had that experience of sort of being like a father figure type thing in in your life with your family and sort of ha- taking those responsibilities and having that sort of weight on your shoulder but also like maybe not getting a chance to really think about stuff like that so because you're just putting yourself in for your family because you like i don't think i've seen someone care as much about like their brother or their mom as much as you do and you do put like the care and effort into it to actually like like because i remember when we were on the trip and i'm not saying this to make you cry i'm, I'm being serious <laughs> i'm getting pretty damn close by the way just uh, <laughs> i'm sorry <laughs> but um but like it all but like in all seriousness like like you like the first person you kept thinking of the entire trip was your brother and wanting to make sure he was, you know, safe, but having good time. And so like, when I hear you talk about stuff like this, I, I get emotional cause I start thinking about it and I, and I commend you because you, you know, it just shows how much you care and how good of a person you are and, and wanting to put yourself, put um, others before yourself, especially your family. Um, and, and it's not like you've, and I don't imagine it's like you feel like you've put yourself in this position. You know, it's it's a position that you found yourself in, but you you took it and and you ran with it, and and you 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 do a great job at it from what I've seen and what I hear. And so when I see a moment like that in Guardians of the Galaxy, and and I think about why is it that Joey connects with this movie as much as he does, like it clicks fast. Like it's easy to understand why something like this could resonate with you, especially with the stuff with Yondu, and, and also just not even just with Peter Quill, but like y- you think about Yondu's crew, and mm. like how he, f- you know, he fails them in a way, and that bur- you see that burden on him. Like I think about like when, when like the crew is being like you know just one by one like pff, they they're thrown they put out, out into space. space, and you just see him just sitting there, just like all this regret, and like his relationship with Rocket. I think is really just so great. Um, that was like, that was probably one of my favorite moments in the whole movie is just seeing those two together and sort of what I felt like they needed. They sort of needed each other to sort of understand true. Like, like you need someone to really understand what you're going through. Or at least someone who ha- can, can understand what you're going but, through. To, and, yeah. And it's yeah. like, it's like rocket. You're right. Rocket is the grumpy. Cause he starts out like Yandu. Yeah. His teeth are ugly. And like, what it was a stupid, you know, jerk. <laughs> and then at the end, he's like, not without you. And I'm like, Bradley Cooper, stop. It's too early for me to be crying this hard. Why? Why? <laughs> <laughs> but also too, rocket having to be a dad 
with Baby Groot. Because people yeah. forget, Baby Groot is a different character from regular Groot, if I'm not mistaken. Like, yeah, he's 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 so different, you know. So like, everybody has to take care of this Baby Groot, and they're trying to like mm-hmm. like that opening scene is such a perfect like they're trying to they're trying to go to work and do things, but also trying to be a parent. Make, make sure, sure Groot, make sure Groot is okay. <laughs> Groot is okay. Doesn't get himself killed. <laughs> You know, and then you got like, then you got like Drax, who's like the Uncle Fester. And he just rolls in and he just stares at him, and like <laughs> nice callback moment. Yes, and then yes. He, <laughs> and then it's like Groot, get out of the way! You're gonna get hurt. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> and, and like Gamora, uh, like not to like d- d- attach gender roles and stuff, you know, but like Gamora really is like the mom in a, in a lot of those like scenes. She like she is sort of that like the logical one, just going. You're all so stupid. <laughs> I, I love like uh, I, I, when like Rocket, Rocket and Quill are arguing who's the better pilot, and, and she's like, "Stop, <laughs> please." <laughs> and like like you know, I love when she goes. If you guys were just flying with what was between your heads and not between your ears, and not between your legs, we would have probably been all right. Then Peter just goes. If my what's between my legs had a hand, <laughs> she's like Quill. They just can't. They just some of those guys just can't help themselves. No, like, <laughs> it's like the Jackson Pollock comment in the first movie. <laughs> oh, this is nothing. You got a black light. <laughs> like a Jackson Pollock painting, <laughs> which is in a Disney movie. I'm like, oh, <laughs> oh man. Um, but and and just there's just so many like on all. Other father figure too we have to bring up because he's also in both of our movies as well is um is is the is the world champion boxer Rocky Balboa because <laughs> you know like you know they say who watches the Watchmen who fathers the father well if Yandu's your daddy that Sylvester Stallone is was was Yandu's daddy yeah effectively. And, I mean, Yandu even mentions he was kind of in, like, his own little Guardians of the Galaxy, which we meet at the end of the movie, which is really cool. We get to meet his Guardians. Yes. And he was sort of the rocket of that team. And, um, ya- and uh, not Yandu, but um, Sylvester Stallone, uh, Takar, isn't that his name? Stakar or Takar? Something like that? I, I gotta double check. I know it's, it's I, I think we're, it's, it's so close. Like, hold up. Let me just, Sylvester uh, Stallone Takar, as... Stakar. Uh, Stakar, yes. Stakar. Okay, so it was the st. Okay, so Stakar was essentially Yandu's daddy. But, like, even then, like, he was sort of disappointed in him because he went against, like, the code or whatever. But because, excuse me, but because Yandu did something selfless and proved to be maybe not the best Ravager, but one of the best people, um, when he died, like, they gave him, like, the full-on, like, beautiful send-off and they all showed up all of his old buddies all the captains that were like his guardians and sylvester stallone was there obviously uh Stakar, and it was a nice beautiful moment at the end of the movie and um we'd be remiss not to like the soundtrack for the for these movies i mean for guardians of the galaxy and also our next sailor say brandy you're a fine girl what a girl i'm not gonna sing the rest I mean, fa- like father and son at, at the end of, at the end of the movie, and you end mm-hmm. in Rocket Rocket's face gets me every time, and like I'm like that single. He's one of those single tier people. Yeah, <laughs> I think it was it, it was one of those um, it was one of those things. Like I remember, like those Facebook like chain things, like 
uh, each day give like 10, 10 mo- each day give a, an image of a movie, no context, like, you know, that, that, ma- that you really enjoyed or whatever. And I put, I, for one of them, I put that last shot of Guardian, mm-hmm. of Guardians 2 with, with Rocket. It's a, it's, it's a beautiful cap off, actually. Yeah. Um, I just think, again, like, I think the action scenes are all great too. We didn't talk too much about that, but like, I think about, uh, the 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 scene th- uh, come a little bit closer like with with Yondu, oh, yeah, when they're Rocket, like and when they're going through like the ship or whatever mm-hmm. but I, you know what it's funny like obviously with movies like this one of the first things you'll probably mention is the special effects and the action which in this movie I think are top tier but I think it also shows how great of a writer and a director James Gunn is that the first thing we think of is all of these themes and all these things that we would more likely mention with like an art house movie or like an Oscar movie that sort of puts it in your face front first as opposed to like whatever else they're doing whereas with movies like this like the quote unquote theme park movies as Martin Scorsese coins um, uh, it's, it's a point to say James Gunn made us think about that before we thought about how much we loved what we were seeing as well. Mm-hmm. Right. So I think that's props big time. No, for, for sure. Um, just like, I also just like, I, I like, I love the third act, like the, the final battle in this movie. It's on a planet. In, on the planet. And then you see the planet. And what, what did you say you did when you saw the planet? Um, <laughs> uh, it was like a Jackson Pollock painting. <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping you would say that. Yes. <laughs> Perfect tea. No, but like again, it's just like that childhood glee of like seeing like the face of ego, the living planet. Like you know, it's one thing to be like, oh, I see Luke Skywalker, because you know Luke Skywalker. Everybody knows Luke Skywalker, and seeing Luke Skywalker, yay, Luke Skywalker. But to see something that you're like, there's no way anybody would spend the money to put this on the big screen. It's funny. I felt the exact same way about a moment in our second movie, which we'll talk about. Well, we'll we'll, def- we'll definitely have to talk about. But I mean, there's just, it's just um, I just think like again, like I said, this movie for me. I apologize for insulting the people that I've insulted. In this, uh, <laughs> in, in Meryl Streep fans, Meryl Streep fans, Peter Quill Leo, haters, Peter Quill haters, and Leo fans. Listen, they're very talented. <laughs> it, it's kind of like when Richard dogged on me about Guardians Two back in the day. I would compare it to that. <laughs> The difference is Richard's mostly stopped that, but I am not as mature as Richard, so I've continued this cycle. Quotations, come on. I'm trying to be 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 truthful. It's okay. But this movie, I feel like for me, it's obviously I have the the deep connection, you know, the the father stuff, you know, Mm -hmm. but also just as a movie, it's just got everything that I want in a movie. And it's so, even with, like, all the emotional stuff, it's such an easy movie for me to watch because it's so bright and colorful. Like, one moment I didn't get to mention that I loved was when they first arrive on Ego's planet and, like, Drax, like, touches oh, pop, the bubble. Pops a bubble. Yeah, and, like, it's a bunch of rainbow bubbles, and it's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, like, the character, like, great characters. It's got a great soundtrack. Visually, it's great. The themes are great. Top to bottom, I don't think there's anything I would personally change about it, and it's not just my favorite Mar- Marvel Cinematic Universe movie, but it's one of my favorite movies. Period. I think that's a I think that's a pretty apt way to end. Honestly, because I don't like I I could just sit here and go I liked it too, and that would just seem anticlimactic. But I did. I'll say that I did like it too. I don't know if I like it near as much as you, but I think because you have those connections with it. 
it's like a it's like a whole other thing as opposed to me just it's being another like, oh, i like it yada, yada, yeah yeah i do like this movie quite a bit is what i'm saying yeah um yeah. so on that so, note we're gonna we're gonna hop on we're gonna hop on the milano and fly over uh what is it what's the place is it bell reeve Cor- corto the... corto we're, no, we're going to go to corto maltese this time well the, the, okay let's go because because you go to the prison but then we're going to corto we're, maltese we're well, we, need, we, need, we, need the, we need mission prep first okay so we're going to do some mission <laughs> prep and talk about our next movie we got to get some bombs in our necks real quick <laughs> yeah just real quick to give a chat with uh with chat with uh viola davis stay tuned Welcome back to Two Dudes One Double Feature in our last segment. We were talking about dads, Leo, Meryl Streep, <laughs> people that don't like Peter Quill anymore, uh, Luke Skywalker, or never have liked or never have liked Peter Quill. Those people <laughs> also probably exist. <laughs> you heathens. But anyway. um, but <laughs> the gloves are still off. Damn. Uh- <laughs> but now we're we're moving forward so fun fact uh i think i think before we i know this might take a second but um i think context is needed for how this even came about but our next film special because this is also a james gunn film and it is also a film that is from a different company dc comics and more specifically it's set within dc's own cinematic universe so effectively speaking, James Gunn, outside of maybe Joss Whedon, but, you know, we don't care about him. Um, <laughs> uh, though he never got the credit, so it doesn't matter anyway. Um, uh, outside of maybe that, James Gunn is the first true director to make a film for both the MCU, make two films for the MCU, and make a film for the DCEU. And um, how that came about, we'll get to, but first it should be mentioned, this movie is obviously the suicide squad emphasis on the suicide squad (laughs) it's so silly because i've seen some posters where the is like obnoxiously big (laughs) and i'm just like man (laughs) and and, you know and it goes with like um because there are people like trying to like question because obviously this movie not talking about the the, how good the movie is like it underperformed at the box office you know, um, due to a multitude of factors, it should be added. But like, I, f- I can't help but feel like that title, <laughs> that title is just like, 
what is this? What are you trying to tell me this it's is? The it's the Suicide, suicide Squad. squad. <laughs> but in relation to the other one, is this a... And there are some people speculating, should you just call this Task Force X and just gone full reboot? Or whatever. Whatever. That's neither here nor there. <laughs> you know, I've just noticed every... It seems like every movie Harley Quinn said someone has a problem with the title. <laughs> uh, I, I will I will, I will, will be one of the few to admit that I do love the... Bir- Even though I admit it should have just been Harley Quinn and the Birds of Prey, I do love Birds of Prey and the emancipation of one Harley... I, the, the long title is stupid, but I love it. So I'm alone in that and I'll take it. It's fine. And you know what? And you know what? I like Birds of Prey. I've, I've only seen it once. When it was with you, but that, that was that was a. Fun I'm trying point. to get it on the show at some point. It's just trying to pair it with something. Um, but the Suicide Squad is what we're talking about today. It's the newest movie we've ever talked about. I think because it's funny because the first, the second episode we ever did uh, featured the Invisible Man reboot, which was new at the time that we talked about it because it came out in 2020. Um, so this is effectively the newest movie, and we don't really ever get that opportunity because we try to f- talk about older movies but this one this one was special it's a very special again i think also like much like guardians volume two is one of those movies that i i saw it well just context for how we saw it we saw it in our hotel room yes at disney uh you me mike allison and her brother dom and this was a case of we were going to try to see it on the big screen um at, at disney springs they got a movie theater there but multitude of factors, like we were just tired. So it's like, you know what? Let's just get a pizza, an expensive flowery pizza. Expensive. It had a lot of flour on it, but you know what? It was still ate it. It's, it's still, you know, edible. And uh, we'll watch it at home because of the HBO Max thing. You could watch, you can watch these titles day and date. And then, you know what? On top of that, I am happy that we did that instead, just because obviously Florida being what it is these days. Again, I felt safe at Disney, but even so, I've. What if I'm happy that we ended up doing it the way we did? But also, too, I, I have to say, and I, I only bring this up not to dunk on Allison or Dom, but they had their hesitancy with this movie because it's another Suicide Squad. That's fair. And the first one, while a, a successful movie, I think we can all agree. It's not that good. It's not that great. And a, a or cut or not, whatever we saw on the big screen is what we it, saw on the big screen. It should be noted. That, and I don't know if you probably felt the same, might have felt the same as well, but when it came out, because I remember being super excited to see it, and especially excited because it wasn't Zack Snyder, because that's all we'd ever gotten yeah. from him, from DC was just yeah. Zack Snyder. And so to see a different perspective, someone else coming in, um, seeing this, this whole other thing uh, was exciting. And then seeing the trailers, I remember the Bohemian Rhapsody trailer was really exciting. And um, that was obviously a big, like, sort of reason why I think a lot of people were excited to see it. Um, even seeing Jared Leto, uh, it's strange to say now, but even seeing Jared Leto, like, as the Joker, I was excited. I was like, let's get it. I'm ready. It's, it's like Johnny Bravo. I'm sickened but curious. Exactly. <laughs> so it's like, I'm, I'm ready. Let's, let's, let's get this movie started. And so I watch it, and I think I can, o- I, I can only say that I liked it because it was different still. Like it, it wasn't t- entirely different, but it was something that wasn't what we already had. No, uh, yeah, it was like we appreciated it for what it wasn't. Yeah, basically, 
And like, cause it was, cause Batman v Superman, I'll never forget coming out of that. Like obviously the, it was the such ult- a confusing experience. Ultimate edition is way better. Obviously, if you're going to yes, watch that yes, movie, I watch agree. the ultimate edition makes more sense. Um, you know, and I, I have watched it from time to time, but that theatrical version is utter garbage. Like it, it is, it is trash. I have no problem just saying it's trash because it's one of those f- film opinion things. I don't think anybody's going to disagree. Honestly, I haven't, I haven't seen you it. haven't seen it since, right? No, I haven't seen it since theaters. Yeah. It's one of the few movies I've fallen asleep at the theater. Not because I was physically tired, but because I, there were parts where I'm just like, why am I, what, what is going on? And, and I just slept. <laughs> what is this? What is this movie? I don't know. But it was just—it was nice to 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 get away from that and get some. Excuse me, to get something different. Yeah. But but like, and I totally agree. It was it was something that we were liking because it was something that we hadn't had. You know, we were appreciating it for what it wasn't. But then when you start watching it for what it is. Even though there's like an extended cut or whatever that they tried to salvage with like new shots or whatever, even then you're still like, and this isn't this, and this this isn't to say there aren't things that I do like because like I like the cast in some instances like Margot Robbie obviously amazing as Harley Quinn and has continued to be amazing as Harley Quinn. Viola Davis is pitch perfect casting as Amanda Waller. Absolutely, absolutely. It's I think when when you got stuff like Wonder Woman. And at least for us, like Aquaman, Aquaman, and, and Shazam, and you got—I think like the last couple of DC movies have been really interesting movies. I know people wanted the Snyder verse, and I can respect them wanting something, and and I feel bad that right. certain things didn't go the way they wanted to. Didn't but work it, out. I I, I I can only speak for myself. Like I've really enjoyed a lot of the the recent DC stuff. Like I thought Birds of Prey was was fun. Aquaman is is a great Saturday morning cartoon. Shazam is awesome. The first Wonder Woman's really good, and this Suicide Squad. I'm gonna say it right here. So just to because this is important. This is not only my he favorite. Said, yeah, he said this to me or like yeah. I wanted to save I'm, it for I'm the ready. show because this yeah. isn't just my favorite DCEU movie. This isn't just my favorite DC movie in like the 21st century. This is my favorite DC movie since superman the movie like i that's that's big praise from from me like because because superman it's superman for me is like still like top dog as far as like these these things go like we're talking about like stuff from like marvel dc like my my top three kind of very like you got superman logan and guardians volume two like those would be like the core like the core three you know yeah But, but suicide squad would be that fourth one going hey guys I just got here. Hi, nice to meet you. I'm the new guy. And hey. Like, and like, so it, like, like Guardians Volume Two. It just was like, wow, this is amazing. <laughs> so, fun fact. Um, I, I, I wanted to actually tell this story earlier, but given that we were so, we, we had an agenda and we wanted to talk about, um, in in uh, the last episode, it was the uh, when we talked about the Disney trip with Allison and the the Disney princess. Whatever oh, the, the the early days gold, of golden gold, age of Disney. Age. Pardon me. Yep. Yes, mm-hmm. um, it's been so long. I forget. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I, um, I, I was editing that episode and I forgot what we were talking about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so drift compatible. Um, but so fun fact: I actually got to see this movie a week early, mm-hmm. and how that happened was. Um, 
like even now i'm still pretty hesitant when it comes to seeing a movie in theaters knowing that i've done it already because of this story um but for the longest time i was trying to figure out um especially at this point because cases were down and i felt okay maybe it is time to to want to try to go back to the movies and see something i know a lot of people already kind of broke that with black widow or whatever like i get it fine whatever that one i i mean i enjoyed it for what it is but i also just didn't care that much to want to i don't know but i was like there are a lot of movies i'm excited to see like um for one the green knight which is the new a24 movie from david lowry and i thought okay because we were talking about going to see suicide squad on our disney trip and i was like well i want to get myself ready for that so maybe i'll go see something prior to that so i can get ready to see suicide squad which is as i would constantly tell joey that's my godzilla versus kong like which in context you know meaning that's one of joey's most anticipated movies of his entire life and it and he loves it. He blew his mind. It's exactly what he wanted it to be. Yes. Yep. This that was for me. The Suicide Squad was for me what that is basically. Um, though I, I though I probably also argue that I wanted to see Suicide Squad since I was like, you know, <laughs> 2016 to be a good movie. But point being, I was still very excited for it. I mean, that feels <laughs> like a long, a lifetime ago. So I think that's you know, yeah, yeah. Honestly, it does. So. Um, I was like, okay, I'll see the Green Knight this th- that weekend, and then I'll because I was excited to see it, so I'll see it that weekend, and then that'll be my readiness, my preparedness to go see Suicide Squad in Florida with Joey and everybody for our Disney trip. And Joey was nice enough to get the tickets, and uh, even then, I, I I thank you, good sir, for doing that. I I would have paid you back, even though you got your refund. I still would have done it. I just want you to know. <laughs> you got me a shirt. <laughs> I did. I got you a, a birthday shirt uh, for being a rad dad. <laughs> um, but uh, so, and I'm I'm feeling still kind of hesitant to do it. But I'm like, I'm gonna psych myself up. I'm gonna go see the Green Knight, and I'm gonna do this. Now, I I just worked out, and I was uh, I thought I was gonna get knocked out, but instead I stood up in the middle of the night, and I'm scrolling, I'm doom scrolling, I guess is what you would call it on my phone. That's what the kids say. Yep. That's what the kids say. Uh, but in the middle of the night, James Gunn uh, on Instagram posts like this flyer saying that they're doing these the, this very special complimentary, by the way, complimentary screening a week early of the Suicide Squad in select cities. So I'm like, this is how you get me back to the movies right now <laughs> by telling me that I could see a movie <laughs> by telling me I could see a movie a week early for free. If it's in my city, or if it's at least close enough for me to see it, of course I'm going to do it. And so I went, and I went and saw that they were playing one in Cleveland, which is an hour away from me. And I bought three tickets, a fourth one accidentally, because I accidentally poked something, and it was all free. So I had no one sitting next to me. It was absolutely free. So if anyone wanted to sit there, I'm sorry, I didn't want you next to me. So it worked out for me, at least. Sorry. Uh, the point being, it was just like, it was so weird to just do that for free. What? Um, so, uh, I went and I saw it in theaters. It was my first movie back at the theater. And I honestly thought, and I was sort of hesitant to tell Joey because this was after the fact that he bought the tickets for the Disney trip. So I didn't want to just be like, I already saw the movie. I'm sorry. (laughs) But, uh. I, I, I waited till after I saw it and I posted my review of it on 
letterboxed and i was waiting for like a message like are you what <laughs> but instead he just liked it and then it was like okay <laughs> listen i also think about the the Guillermo del toro situation so i have no i i, I feel like we evened out. That's fair. It's <laughs> fair. We're good. And you know what? For for you, like for you, that that to be your first movie back is a special thing. You know, so and it it was so good to watch in the theater too. I'm, I'm not gonna I, lie. I'm very happy. You know. Yes. Uh, but that was my first movie back. Um, though I, I'll be honest, it was a very specific situation. So again, I probably won't be going back to the movies. In fact, that that same weekend, I tried to go see The Green Knight in a theater, and it was terrible experience. I, I hated it, and I uh, fell asleep at one point, and the projection was terrible. And that movie is so low-lit at times that I couldn't even see what was happening in the movie. And then, like, a couple of days ago, they released it for at-home rental, and I watched it, and it was so much better. I've only seen two movies since everything, since I've been vaccinated. I saw Godzilla vs. Kong, and I saw Black Widow, and I've wanted to see more, but I know my theater projections are not the best, so I, I'm thank I'm, I'm glad you told me this about The Green Knight, because I, because... Yeah, watch I it at home. I, I'm gonna, yeah, that's one of those instances where, like, listen, I'm just gonna, I'll, I'll spend the money. It's a movie I wanted to see. <laughs> anyway, so, um, I did see this movie early, I saw it um in theater it was amazing and the whole time i was like jonesing to talk about it because i wanted to talk about how the opening sequence is i wanted to talk about some of the the characters and the dynamics some of the jokes that weren't in the trailers and i want to talk about the great harley sequence that we get in the movie and i want to talk about the big exciting my ego planet moment <laughs> at the end of the movie but i couldn't <laughs> And it sucked. This was this was just like when I saw Endgame, because I saw it like three or four days early than everybody else because of you know working at a movie theater. And I wanted to mention like Mjolnir being caught by Cap, and I wanted to mention like Fat Thor, but I couldn't. <laughs> and it felt just like that, but l- longer, more stretched out. So, um, but anyway, uh, I loved it. Obviously, I love this movie to death. It's so funny. It's so it's 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 exactly what I wanted that first movie to be in a lot of ways, which is funny given that that first movie feels like it's trying to be Guardians of the Galaxy in a lot of yeah. instances. Like the soundtrack being what it is, the the sort of offbeat characters, the the way that it's edited to sort of like be a comedy or not whatever whatever obviously it wasn't what david ayer wanted as he's blatantly said all the time but clearly that's what they wanted and then due to some circumstances which will probably be what we talk about now um warner brothers found an opportunity to work with james gunn and get what james gunn would have done from the source yeah no yeah um <laughs> so do you yeah. do i mean this is this is kind of a, a strange part of the whole thing but i think it's worth mentioning nonetheless listen like years like you know james gunn people year, years it should ago. be noted that people change people as long as they acknowledge their mistakes they yeah. should be yes like because people ask what's the difference between james gunn and they try to compare it to like roseanne or like mm. w- you know which he's been vocal about too like i think that's another i'll talk about that but like he made jokes 
years ago, which I feel like he already apologized for, or like at least I felt like he acknowledged them before all of this transpired. Um, and they were they're 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 very distasteful. I found them disgusting. But and you know yeah, they're they're not they're 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 gross jokes. Yeah, they're very like, gross jokes. Like you know they're not funny at all. And you know, uh, but. I feel like he already apologized. I, th- I thought I remember somebody saying he already apologized for that, but whatever. Um, right. And Point being, a lot of this was brought back to the surface by back to the random sur- people. By, by bad faith. Like, this was like, this is by people where, like, there are people who are genuinely upset by that, and I can understand. Yeah. But there are people who are only bringing this up because James Gunn was talking about people like Roseanne. I'm, I only bring up that's the one I can remember. Right. But, like, Right. You know, they they wanted to shut him down basically because you know he he's very active on social media, and then obviously because of all this stuff, um, Disney ended up firing him from doing Guardians three. Yep. And so because because all this transpired, like obviously, you know, I I know you were very because obviously you love Guardians two and you would love to see what like. What's Guardians three without James Gunn? Nothing. I and it was one of the. It was uh, admittedly I was going to be one of those people who wasn't going to see Guardians three in theaters because I'm like how 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 right. can you how can you do that? But also that was a rough weekend because that was also around the time when John Schnepp passed away. The um, mm, who, you know, yeah. hu- if you don't know John Schnepp, he was a huge like huge geek involved Metalocalypse. Really great online personality. It did the the documentary "The Death of Superman Lives," um, which is about the Nicolas Cage, the infamous you know Nicolas Cage Superman movie. And I got to meet him actually. So which made I'm sorry. Going I on remember that picture. Yeah, I got to meet him. Really nice dude. I got a picture with him. Really super awesome. I used to watch. I watched him religiously. Like I, I watched this dude. He was on AMC Movie Talk. He was on Collider. He was a personality. Like this was a guy who knew what he was talking about. But he was. Uh, just a bundle of joy and like everybody who knew him was like this is a great guy and he he unfortunately passed away like three years ago and that was around the same time james gunn was fired that was a rough like as far as like non like family tragedies aside that was a rough weekend for me because i'm like like okay like why am i am i gonna look forward to the mcu at this point screw this and then like I'm, and, I, and John Schnepp was one of those people where I was like always interested what he had to say about stuff. And I'm, I also think about like he never got to see Endgame. He never got to see, never got to see the Suicide Squad or Godzilla versus Kong and all these other like you know nerd things. So you know uh, may he may John Schnepp rest in peace. You know um, and all that. But yes, yes. But point point being, it was it, it, it like James Gunn was fired. But also, the, I want to add. The Guardians cast, you remember this? Like they they put like a like a letter like defend defending James Gunn, um, or like kind of support in support. I of do James remember Gunn. something of that. Yeah, in support of James Gunn, and this wasn't just like just like Dave Batista and Mike. Like it wasn't just like the people you would have expected. Like you have to understand too. Bradley it was everyone. Co- Bradley Cooper was part of this, and Chris Pratt. They're Hollywood heavyweights. They're not just like, and I'm not trying to disparage the rest of the cast or anything like that, but like. To have them be like saying like, yeah, this is, you know, we support James, you know, James has grown a lot as a person. That's huge, you know, and it's, I, that's, that's a 
big deal, honestly. And especially, too, because the Guardians movies are about becoming a better person and, you know, learning from your... They're very personal. In a lot of ways, they're very personal movies for um, James Gunn, I'm sure. But my, my letterbox review for The Suicide Squad was, yeah, I would have liked to have had Guardians 3 by this point. But you know what? The scenic detour we did get because of this firing was pretty awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the and that's the crazy that's the crazy thing of just how this whole is this whole story went is that you know uh, while everyone else is sort of like ending James Gunn or defending James Gunn, Warner Brothers and DC saw an opportunity and they said, "Hey, why don't you come over and uh, make a movie with us? We'll let you do whatever you want." At what like you wanna you wanna shoot Superman into the space, blow him up, we don't care, do it. You wanna you know, make Condiment King the trilogy, make it. Whatever you want to do, we want you to do it. Which that's a first off, let's that should be mentioned, that is a very rare thing for a director to get, like first time working with them. But because James Gunn had gained so much good faith from his work at Marvel and obviously them wanting to emulate him with their own movies uh, going if we don't get him we're stupid so, <laughs> so they got him and James you, Gunn you was miss... like I want to do Suicide Squad yeah <laughs> what <laughs> you, you you miss 100% of the shots you don't you don't take <laughs> <laughs> I think it's what, that's what they were thinking <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so so they they called him up and James Gunn is like, I want to do a Suicide Squad movie. And they're like, Yeah, so obviously that was announced that he was doing a movie and he was doing Suicide Squad, so it was like, is it gonna be a sequel? Is it gonna be a reboot because the last one didn't do well, like critically speaking? Um, and so it was kind of both. So and which is I think that's the beauty of the concept of Suicide Squad is that the whole the whole point of the whole thing of Suicide Squad is that you have a team of like Z list supervillains with a few notable ones like Deadshot, Captain Boomerang, and then like when the new Fifty Two hit, Harley Quinn became a prominent member of the Suicide Squad. And uh, essentially, it's like Dirty Dozen or any of these movies where you get all these criminals, um, basically sh uh, forced by the government because in this case they stick a bomb in their heads and. They force them to go on these deadly missions uh, that they wouldn't send their regular troops on, and this, this, the 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 bargain is essentially uh, if you succeed and you survive, ten years off your prison sentence. If you succeed and you die, well, you die. That's just it. If you refuse to do the mission, we blow you up and you're dead. Um, if you get caught, then we'll just say you know. You're super villains. We have that. We have that easy way out because you're because yep. you are who you are. Mm -hmm. And so the great thing about that concept is the team is always changing, save for a few core characters. So typically in the comics, like I said, it is Deadshot, Captain Boomerang, and then more recently Harley Quinn as sort of those core members. Whenever you think of Suicide Squad, typically those characters show up. Then every now and then you'll get like Killer Frost, who we we've, we've seen in like the Flash show, or you'll get King Shark, or you'll get kg beast or some of these other guys who show up um 
uh, in the case of this movie, it was essentially a whole new roster of people. Some people that probably have been a part of the Suicide Squad in the comics, um, but typically a whole new roster of people, which is, again, the beauty of that whole concept. So for this movie, um, instead of Deadshot or anyone else, we got a whole slew of characters, which is such a great thing because the most important thing about Suicide Squad is the fact they go on suicidal missions, which means, and this is where I think the first movie fails, people need to die <laughs> because if they don't die then what's that's you're just a squad you're not just a suicide squad <laughs> to quote will smith <laughs> i i'd like the, the, the i was just like that's suicide yeah it's kind of our thing it's kind of our thing yeah <laughs> <laughs> but no and so james gunn for this one he gets a whole bunch of fun characters so like our our, set, our main roster for this one, again, we have a whole slew of different characters, but our main roster for this one is um, King Shark. Nathan Fillion's body, Nathan Fillion's right and left arms. <laughs> Arm. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> no, no he, but, don't get too, atta- don't get too attached to him. <laughs> just be very detachable, as they would say. Yeah. No, so we get uh, King Shark, voiced by Sylvester Stallone. We get... Um, Peacemaker, played by John Cena. We get, we have Ratcatcher 2, played by Daniela Melchior. I hope I'm saying that right. Uh, who's sort of the, the new kid on the block amongst this cast. Polka Dot Man. Yes. Played by um, uh, David Desmalchin, I believe his name is. Frequent player of uh, Denis Villeneuve in various movies of his. But also just in various comic book things in general. Yeah, because he's a, he's a big... He has his own comic book called Count Crowley. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. I think you... It's it's like a... I, I think that... I haven't read it, but I think it's like a character that's kind of like, like an Elvira type character, but like they fight real monsters maybe. I don't know. But it's called Count Crowley, and he's uh, he writes his own comics, but he's also... The first movie you probably saw him in, or guaranteed you saw him in, was The Dark Knight. As the 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 Rachel Dawes cop dude that was working for Joker, he has such a he has a very distinct face. Like you will never forget his face. I honestly like I was like I I remember seeing him in the Dark Knight and thinking he could have been Joker too. Like it makes me think of um, like Jaws, where there's like there's Quint, but there's also like a guy who's like kind of like a quint and steven spielberg has said like if he had done like an open casting call on the island he would have got that guy as quint. <laughs> it's you know what yeah that's a great uh yeah that perfect you, you you remember what character like the ben garner you know what character i'm talking about though in jaws like, i think so yeah yeah that makes sense he, he's the he's the guy where his head his head pops up ben gardner i think his uh his name is fian will kill me if i don't get that right but <laughs> Ooh, that's a whole but, other but anyway so david dismalchin as polka dot man and then of course um uh harley quinn is back um margot robbie in her third outing as harley quinn arguably my favorite of her outings as harley quinn joel kinnaman returns as rick flag much better in this movie i think than he is the first movie no offense I just think he's so much better in this one. And then uh, the, the the sort of central focus in this movie, and again, this is the core team. There's a lot more characters. This is the core team, though. The central character and uh, Joey's um, uh, future husband, let's be honest, uh, Idris Elba. Uh, no, as, uh, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy of that. <laughs> Bloodsport, Idris Elba, Joey's future husband. <laughs> Listen, I love 
Idris Elba so much. He's so good. Easily one of my favorite actors, just period. And when I learned he was going to be in this, like, my excitement, like, just shot through <laughs> the freaking roof. And then e- what's and what's even better is that you know, there was talk that he would replace Will Smith, but I am glad he's his own character, so it's not just like, oh, you know, even though he is sort of, like, got some of the same traits, but they sort of make fun of that, which is nice. They, they Yeah, like, what I like is that, like, Idris Elba is a great actor, and he's, like, if you watch him on Luther, he has, like, a lot of, like, scenes of, like, intensity and his, like, temper, you know, like I think about the scene where he's where he's has like you know a visitation from his daughter, and like how like it's it's totally like because I think about like Deadshot in the in Suicide Squad where it's just like <laughs> oh you know he's an assassin but he's a nice dad and oh that darn Batman for capturing him oh man <laughs> and then and then in this one he's like fuck you fuck you fuck you only are mad at me because it does other. TV watch. You're only mad at me because I didn't steal it right. No, I'm also mad that you stole a TV watch. But but also like he has great like moments of comedy. Like it makes me think of like Indiana Jones. His his whole rat thing. Yes. Oh my god. Where he's like, "Ah!" (laughs) like I'm an assassin. Why would I divulge my why would I divulge my weakness? I think my favorite line delivery, or one of my favorite line deliveries, is like when he's talking to John Cena. What the fuck are you in your underwear, <laughs> tiny whiteies? <laughs> hey, that's just racist. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, the 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 line to end all lines, which we'll get to more. <laughs> hey, that's your mom. <laughs> <laughs> that is that is the best line in the whole movie. Oh, uh, when he does the, that, that scene just blew, just made my entire day and made me love the movie so much. But um, it's it, it's so good. But <laughs> so that the, that's our core team. But again, we have a lot of other characters at play. So um, just to just to throw some other because I'm not I don't remember everybody. If I'm being honest, I probably could. But other hang super- on, time out, time out. Did we did we mention Peacemaker? Yes, I'm. Yeah, John Cena, I got, Peacemaker. I, yeah, I just want to make okay. I just, yeah, because okay, so, he was fantastic. He's so I, good. He's so I, good. I, I was I was so enveloped in my love of uh, Idris Elba and just <laughs> calling out people for being in their underwear. <laughs> oh no! Wait, there's one more one uh, like funny line where th- there he's having a contest with Peacemaker, and and it's just like nobody likes to show off. And he's like, not unless what they're showing off, off is dope as fuck. Shit! <laughs> and he's like, fuck. It's true, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm sorry. I keep no. Getting no, it's fine. It's, 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 it's fine. It's Idris, I mean, he's he's the star of the show. Let's be honest. But yep. we have a whole like huge roster of people that show up in this movie. So we have um, just to start off, uh, Flula Borg, who I I I think he's really funny, and I follow him on Instagram, and I, I always love when he showed up as a guest on Conan because it's just he makes me laugh. Mm-hmm. He's got such a perfect like German accent. That, like, and he, like, intentionally, like, says things just, like, it's just funny. Like, um... You know, but but I thought what was funny was that I didn't notice the accent that much when I was watching the movie. Mm. So when, like, Harley talks, he's like, we don't have any accents. <laughs> I'm like, is that, like, the, is, like, the whole thing? <laughs> he's just a German guy with a javelin. But uh, he plays a character named Javelin. Um, we get uh, Pete Davidson from SNL as the slipknot of this movie, Blackguard. Let's be honest. Uh, <laughs> Nathan Fillion. Like, 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 oh, sorry. Go ahead. Nathan Fillion. Freaking Nathan, Na- Fillion, Nathan Fillion as TDK or the detachable kid. 
as we learn. Uh, Michael Rooker in his, um, I think, required appearance in a James Gunn movie role as Savant, uh, who you would think it seems like it seems like he, they're playing him off like he's going to be like a big part of the movie because especially he's the first person we meet. But no, yeah, you think he's going to be like a POV character, like you know, audience POV character, especially if you're somebody who's not used to the Suicide Squad mm-hmm. um, in general. But um. But anyway, <laughs> so we'll get to that in a second. Um, we get, I forget her, I forget the actor's name, but we, uh, Mongal, Mongols, like, you know, because if you know Mongol, big Superman villain, we get Mongal, um, Sean Gunn in one of two villain roles in which he plays, and, and more specifically important to the story, Weasel. As, as I love, I love how Joel Kinnaman says it too. He's like, Weasel. <laughs> it's just fun. <laughs> Um, and then, of course, speaking of returnees, we get Jai Courtney return as Captain Boomerang, who, like I said, is always a prominent member of the Suicide Squad. And all of them die in the first, like, ten minutes of the movie. <laughs> I, I know I, I said, th- I, I'm probably going to say this in, like, the, the disclaimer at the beginning, but there's going to be mega spoilers for, sui- for the oh, yeah. Suicide Squad. Oh, yeah. Spo- I mean, we spoil things all the time anyway, but this is a new movie, so. Facts. Yeah, so it's it's worth mentioning, but yeah, the fact that like it was one thing like I knew like because I remember watching it and I knew Pete Davidson was gonna die. Why, how he died, I thought was like a great move. Like obviously, you know, he's the guy that's like, "Hey, it's me. I'm the one that told you we're doing this, guys." And it's like, "You asshole!" And then his face blows up, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then all the other characters start dying. Freaking. Uh, Nathan Fillion is the detachable kid. His arms are getting like blown, blown up with like assault rifles, and he's like, ah, like in the distance, going, ah, ah, like, like, like. It's so funny because that montage is like you see like people going ah, and they're like burning or like getting chopped up or whatever, and you're like, oh, oh, and you see Nathan Fillion, you just start laughing. <laughs> it's just so funny. Um, Weasel dies. Uh, though we find out later he didn't but he dies because he can't swim <laughs> which is, i think that's just a great example of the kind of humor that this movie has it's like dark humor because it's death um and a big and a big surprise obviously and i think an important surprise captain boomerang dies so like a, a major character from the first movie coming back for this one which again and knowing the comics captain boomerang being such an important character james gunn smartly i i honestly believe decided to kill him in that first scene and it's one of the sadder moments i agree like i think about like jai courtney i think they did a good job with with um with him like having like his like what few moments it has with harley like when they're like oh I'll leave him alone boom like you feel like that it's like you know there's like a camaraderie like even if you didn't see the mm-hmm. first you know suicide squad no the <laughs> you know you feel like that there is a history there yeah and so like and especially when you know he gets impaled by all those branches and then the helicopter crashes and like slices him up and harley goes boomer like you actually kind of feel bad that you know he dies and and it's and i remember too like watching that scene and thinking oh god like is he gonna kill all like the original cast of the first movie because for the longest time even though we could easily guess that he wasn't gonna kill harley quinn like if there's one character that was probably off limits because she's the probably arguably the most successful continuing character in the dceu 
the, the you weren't going to kill Carly Quinn. But James Gunn, being you know the master that he is, kept saying, they said I can kill who I want. It's like, what does that mean? It just means what it means. It means I can kill whoever I want. <laughs> and so like I, the whole time I'm thinking, they're not going to kill Harley, are they? Don't do it, please. So, and, but that's the power of that movie is that it, it made you afraid. They hold it over you like... This could happen. It's he. It's like it's like he. It's like he is the Amanda Waller. He is. It's like I can press this button. He's so like I'm gonna do it. And the thing is, that's that's something that I feel like, especially with comic book superhero movies, is so fucking unique because death means nothing in comics. How many times have Batman, Superman, Spider Man, all these characters died, come back to life, billions of times, and it's so rare to like actually feel a sense of dread. When you're reading or watching like a superhero comic, because you know that character, because of longevity or whatever, is probably never going to come back. But James Gunn, wonderfully, I might add, made me afraid that he was going to kill people I liked, and it was and it's such a unique feeling, sadly. And I and I think it's important that he brought that back. And I hope none of those characters, anyone that died in that movie, I hope they don't come back. As sad as it is, I hope they stay dead. I know one. Of, I know two yeah. of them came back technically. Even so, I hope they stay dead. Yeah. Uh, again, like, uh, like that. That's like the appeal. Like the appeal of this thing. Like I imagine is just like you want to be surprised. And I think after you've seen like so many. Like I don't want to dig Marvel. It feels like we dig Marvel a lot, but we just praise Guardians too. So I don't. I don't feel so bad. Yeah. But you're good. Um, <laughs> like we've met our like, like Marvel. Everything feels like it's like the same thing, and everything just goes on forever and there's some yeah. things that might stick a little bit but like it's just so nice when it's like it's more of a sudden thing like it's not like wrapped up in a bow you know like it's it's not like like captain boomerang had like a really poignant like oh i throw the boomerang and save the day we're also dying like moment no no he, he just, just get, dies he gets chopped up he gets chopped up because Mongal decided to do like the big like move and like <laughs> jump onto like the helicopter. <laughs> she decided to try to be the hero of the mission and failed miserably. <laughs> yes, and I I love I love stuff like that. I was gonna say it. It also shows like the cruelty and the coldness of someone like Amanda Waller, because I mean this is obviously a, a theory that's been going around, but I think the movie pretty much confirms it. Waller did that on purpose because I think she she meant for there to be a diversion to have that first team sort of take the 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 soldiers away from the second team who can easily infiltrate the island because they go to Corto Maltese right and so it just shows just how cold she is that she's willing to just throw all these people on this mission knowing what they'll probably do only to you know just like because I even remember seeing like when the the opening title sequence happens, and they sort of uh, zoom out from her face, knowing that all the characters are dead, and she kind of like seems pleased. Yeah, because I also think about like when, when like Idris Elba when Bloodsport's heads on the shore is just like this is pretty quiet over here, and like Amanda Waller is like, "Okay, don't worry about it, bud. It's okay. It's all good. It's taken care of." <laughs> <laughs> it's very. You didn't tell me there was another team. Very. You didn't even she know. She was very casual. A little too casual. Okay. That just made it sort of scary. Um, but yeah, that whole opening sequence is a monster of a scene. It just you never like. I don't think I've ever seen a scene like that where like 
the half the cast dies. <laughs> yeah, it's I I can't think of like there's like there's obviously so many movies where characters die, but to have that many die in such a short period of time with that early with on with speaking roles and some of them pl- like played by major people and as in the case of like Captain Boomerang, a major character one of the major characters from the last film he's dead he dies in this movie. What the, what the hell? <laughs> is uh, That happens. One thing I will say with this movie, like, and I'm going to quote Jurassic Park, they spared no expense. Like, this looks... Like, there's some movies that cost almost $200 million, and you go, did you just put take the $200 million, like, and take, like, most of it and stuff it underneath your bil- pillow or something, and then the rest of this... Did you go to Cabo and just decide to make a movie later what's going on like this this feels like a 200 million dollar movie you can see every dollar on screen not even just like like the the the, obviously the effects are amazing but also just the the sets the locations the the stunts like everything about it like there's nothing about this movie that makes me think that james gunn like shirk something or are decided to do less here versus more here even like the one moment where waller and and her team disappear and then show up and they're like taking a nap or whatever like even that moment still feels like it's appropriate yeah you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like nothing feels wasted or nothing feels shirked simply for the sake of doing something else better or something everything makes sense and everything is woven together so well yeah and i think a lot of that is maybe because of the freedom James Gunn had, you know, we've talked a lot about directors and how, you know, sometimes giving them creative control can be both a good and a bad thing. Um, depending on who you talk to, I would all, I would almost be of the argument that I've yet to really find a moment where I thought it was an entirely like terrible thing, save for maybe a few examples, like in small doses. But typically when I, when I see like, especially a talented director get, total freedom to do whatever they want with the story they're telling i tend like even batman returns is such a ridiculous movie in a lot of ways but i think i like it more because it is more of a tim burton movie versus you know yeah or like um or even like like even the snyder cut yeah i'm not in like the camp of people who want I'll admit, like I don't really care whether or not the Snyderverse lives or dies, but I'll admit it's an improvement i like the snyder justice league movie yeah. i did mm-hmm. is all right mm-hmm I watched all four hours and didn't fall asleep. Yeah. That's something. It is. <laughs> like straight through. But uh this is this is very much James Gunn's baby and he was let off the leash I think a little bit with this one. And not to not not only like like the story decisions but also like sometimes when like some people are like, "Ooh, I want this thing to get an R rating." And it's like sometimes you go, "Well, why? Why?" why? Like and and I'll not like, 9 times out of 10 it could have been PG thirteen, or it could, or it's like yes, it, or it's like yes. a soft R. Like I think about um, that Killing Joke animated movie. Mm. I feel like I don't yeah. feel like there's any. It didn't really justify. I didn't feel like there was anything in there that was like an R rating, you know. Or I think about I think about Deadpool. I think about Titans a little bit. Oh. Like I do like that show on HBO Max, but like the one problem it'll always have is that. It is an excessively R-rated show for no reason. Like I've like 
character work and I think character performances I think are very good in a lot of instances. And even watching, because season three started up not that long ago, and I'm watching the show, and and I can't help but think, as much as I do like this portrayal or that story or this thing or that, I can't help but think, every single time I watch an episode, why is this rated R? Mm-hmm. Why why is why is Dick Grayson saying fuck? Why is there nudity? Why is there like why is that there? It makes no sense to me. In in all honesty, like it. It's not. It's not even like the whole Teen Titans versus Titans thing. You could still call it Titans and not be an R-rated show. Yeah, and it would probably be even better for. And it. you can. And if you want to handle more adult things, you could probably do that without having to be gratuitous. Yeah, you know. But this is this is something I feel like because of the subject matter. Listen, this is a group called the Suicide Squad. The. <laughs> The, they, the, the suicide, eh, suicide squad, as they say, probably in France. <laughs> ooh, ooh, suicide squad. But the, the, the point being, it feels more germane. It feel, it makes more sense that why you have like people's heads being sliced off or like when somebody gets, somebody's body gets slammed, like the guts go all over the place. Or when King Shark rips apart a guy, you see their ribs sticking out, and you're just like, ah! the, the 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 stretch of the skin, just but like I 100% agree. Like the it's the material, it's the characters, it's everything about it makes sense, and they don't they don't waste that R rating just just to be R rated. Like nothing in it, because like if it if that was the case, then we probably would have had like. Um, more gory scenes, more lingering stuff. Probably would have had a nudie nude scene with some of the female characters. Um, not to say that there isn't nudity. There's a full on penis in this movie, briefly, but there's a penis there. Um, why? I don't know. Just a guy was chilling. He gets shot, and you see it move. It's just there. I mean, the, like the stuff. It, it, it's you know, again, like I, I didn't look at this movie and think maybe we didn't need that, or maybe we didn't need this. You know. Yeah, it, it, it worked out like it was, it was all it was all good stuff. Um, so the set now the, the central plot of this movie, essentially, we should probably explain that yeah. <laughs> um, is <laughs> so Amanda Waller, as you know, it gathers up a team of supervillains, takes them on suicidal missions, calls them the Suicide Squad or Task Force X. Um, in this case, uh, they're trying to infiltrate the island of Corto Maltese, which is a fictional island in the DC universe. First time I ever heard of it was actually in. I think the 89 Batman movie, but it's also, I think mentioned in, uh, the dark Knight Returns. That's is another place. I, I heard think, about it. I think you're right. Cause I remember like Ronald, yeah. Ronald Reagan talking about Corto Maltese. Like Corto Maltese. Yeah. We need to go. You need to go there. Superman. <laughs> it's terrible. Ronald Reagan. I'm sure. Um, but, uh, <laughs> so, and that's, and on that note too, the fact that they go to Corto Maltese instead of like an actual, um, island or actual like place I think goes to show and this is something we were taught I was pointing out while we were watching it this movie it like is very much in its own world and I think I think it very much encapsulates like do you remember that Patrick Williams video where he talks about the one problem he has with DC comics mm-hmm. you ever see that one yes and how like the difference between DC and Marvel is that Marvel is set in our world, like all the characters in New York City, whereas DC is a alternate reality. Like there's Gotham City, Coast City, Metropolis, 
um, Central City, all these fake locations, and yet um, there's there's points where they mention Obama or they'll mention the Kardashians or something, like some sort of pop culture reference, which, again, you understand because maybe X, Y, and Z, but at the same time, like, it does kind of make you go, this probably would have been cooler if it was just, like, some whole random thing. Like, I always loved it in, like, watching the Dark Knight movies and see, instead of CNN, it's GCN. Right. Um, and yet with this movie, like maybe save for a few things, I can't think of a single time they made a pop culture reference. I can't think of a single time they made any sort of blatant, uh, uh, product placement for some real thing. Like it, it feels in a lot of ways, I mean, I'm probably misremembering some things, but it feels very much like it's in its own bubble, which kind of made me appreciate it more. Or at the very least, if there was anything, it didn't bring attention to itself because when you watch... Yes. You watch other things, you're like, oh, I see the bag of Doritos, I see the Coke can, I see the Sears, I see the IHOP, I see the Denny's. Like, it's it's the exact opposite of Man of Steel, basically. I didn't want to go there, but yeah, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you were kind of mentioning, you know. I was, place, so I, was I was, like, but I didn't. Man of Steel. <laughs> I didn't want to hit him that hard. Listen, listen, the people who are. P, uh, P, uh, Peter Quill haters, Meryl Streep fans, Leo fans. They've had enough of your They've shit. They've had enough of that. <laughs> and, and they're probably in the same Venn diagram bubble as people who like man. No, I'm kidding. I'm <laughs> <laughs> Those unvaccinated bastards. No, no. Uh. Oh, man. <laughs> That's rough. <laughs> I wanted to get tough for a second. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but, uh, but anyway. So they go to Corto Maltese because um, they're in the middle of this like big uh, transitional period where like um, the military are sort of like killing this family that had control over the island, and there's a there's been a lot of political issues and stuff like with the islanders themselves hating to live under like whatever monarchy was un- in control to begin with, and so because of all this you know turmoil and dismay. Um, Amanda Waller sees an opportunity for the Suicide Squad to infiltrate this secret military location on Corso Maltese called Jotunheim. Not the frost giant place in Thor, but you can't help but think of it, admittedly, now because of those I movies. I mean, you have, James it, Gunn it, you have Heimdall, Heimdall's helping out the Suicide Squad, so. <laughs> you can't help. You can't help but go, Thor. Um, so they have to go to Jotunheim because, and they have to get some information, uh, or destroy the destroy the location that um, is the home for something called Project Starfish, and the moment you hear about that, if you're a DC fan, if you know anything about DC history, you get so excited, or at least I would think so, because that means a certain character, one of the first major villains of the Justice League, is going to show up, and they did they did obviously confirm it in the trailers, but you didn't see him necessarily in the trailers, and so. Uh, the fact that that he shows up in this movie is like a major, f- you know, thing that they have to fight. Warms my nerd heart mm-hmm. so much that they did this. I'm talking about Starro the fucking Conqueror, which is like it's literally just a blue and pink starfish with a big eyeball, but he shoots little versions of himself out of his body, out of his pit or whatever, and they they face hug onto people and they get their mind controlled uh like there's there's some amazing justice league covers out there of like you see superman batman wonder woman all with the starro face on them like 
this is a great character. I love Star of the Conqueror. In fact, um, in a recent run on Justice League, uh, one of those little versions of Starro uh, grew an attachment with Batman and became a Robin. <laughs> and I was so happy. Oh my <laughs> like, gosh. it's so stupid, but it was so well done. Like, he called him Dad all the time. <laughs> and just seeing a little Starro with, like, a Robin costume going, ah, fighting crime, it's the greatest thing ever. That sounds, that sounds <laughs> insane. <laughs> it's so fun. I love it. His name's Jaro, by the way. Jar- like that's because he lived in a jar, okay. so they call him Jaro. Gotcha. Okay. <laughs> in case you're wondering. <laughs> um. Anyway, I mean, uh, so that's the gist of the movie. Can I also just say too, on that note, with Starro, like with both with both of these movies, it doesn't end with just the blue beam in the sky that no we talk about all the time. It doesn't. Which the first Suicide Squad movie had a big blue beam. It did. It did. It had a big blue beam. And this one said, nah, fam, we're going to put a big blue and pink starfish with one eye at the end of our movie. And it's the greatest goddamn thing outside of maybe Julie Andrews as a racist kaiju. <laughs> man. Oh, man. Oh, man. Um, but let, let, let it be said, like, there's there's more to this movie than just the comedy, the sheer ridiculousness of it and the effects and all, and all that stuff like the, the like guardian like guardians 2 it has layers <laughs> it's got it's like an onion as shrek would say yes it is an onion this movie has layers ogres have layers suicide squad has layers you get it we both have layers oh you both have layers <laughs> you go through a whole the whole routine but like this this movie like this this movie has it, it, okay, so the last movie there was dad dad issues, right? But there's a, an interesting advancement, Richard. And I'm not too sure if you're you're aware of this advancement. In addition to in addition to daddy issues, we also which get, this movie's got. We also also get mommy issues. Shut the front door. What are you talking about, mommy issues? I am talking about polka dot man and how he's Norman Bates. <laughs> <laughs> that whole shtick throughout the movie was both so strange and yet so funny and so like emotional at the same time like it had it did everything it was supposed to do. so like the whole shtick with polka dot man in this movie which i think was sort of the favorite character for james gunn and that he wanted to pick the most ridiculous characters and put them in this movie and polka dot man being one of those characters, created by Bill Finger, by the way, the great Bill Finger, he was one of those characters that was always considered like one of the worst superheroes with like Condiment King and or the one of the worst supervillains, and so uh, James Gunn was like, we need to redeem Polka Dot Man, and so he makes him one of the most heartfelt characters in the entire freaking movie, and so his whole shtick is that um, his mom was a scientist at Star Labs. Uh, and experimented on him and his brothers and sisters uh, to make them into superheroes. And, you know, the results varied, uh, obviously. (laughs) And with him, he got some sort of interdimensional virus that makes his skin puff up and, like, um, inflame in certain spots with polka dots. And if he doesn't uh, 
expel, let's say those those dots, then they kill him. Yeah. And so, um, but he's but he's able to control them, and so he has these gauntlets, so he can like, th- as as Peacemaker says, he throws polka dots at people. Mm-hmm. But when he does that, it's so cool. Yes. Uh, but what what, it, what in regards to his mom, um, because of the traumatizing nature of his relationship with his mother he sees her everywhere <laughs> yeah like when they when they first revealed like the whole squad looking like his mom his mom that was <laughs> hysterical but the the big highlight was just seeing was you know the that's your mom and he looks up and he sees like his mom as a kaiju <laughs> it's the greatest thing ever like because obviously with with blood sport you know his whole arc is to make him sort of a father figure leader like type character um, to the to the to the Suicide Squad, and so he has a Captain America moment. Like at the end of the Avengers, Captain America, you know, says, you know, Hawkeye, keep an eye on things. Iron Man, set a perimeter. Hulk, smash. You know, I, that iconic moment in in uh, Avengers. Um, in this, I think James Gunn tops him. Arguably, I not even arguably. I think it's a fact. No, it's probably argue. Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, I agree with you, so it's fact now. Anyway. I thank you. I yep. thank you. Um, so, um, he says, Harley, take the high ground. Like Obi, but not, he doesn't say like Obi, but I think like, he's you, thinking if like you, Obi. If, you're think, if you know Star Wars, you're just thinking of whatever you hear high ground. <laughs> um, and so, then he says to King Shark, Monster is num num! <laughs> Monster Nom Nom? Yes! <laughs> and then the best part, um, Abner, or, you know, Polka Dot Man's real name, Abner, do you know who that is? What? It's your mom! <laughs> <laughs> and then he looks over and you, you see his mom is a giant kaiju monster bashing in the buildings. And then he unleashes those polka dots, burns her leg off, and he goes, I'm a superhero, and it's so great that he gets smushed. It was short lived, but it was it was he burned brightly. He he burned so brightly, and it was beautiful. But that's one of the best lines. That's the best line. Well, listen, world. like the big thing, like daddy things, like per, father figure things are a big thing in this movie because we obviously talked about the scene where where uh, Robert Dubois Bloodsport is having a, is shouting at his daughter, <laughs> and he talks about because she because she stole something stupid and failed and failed to, to get away with it. Yes. But also, he also had his has his own uh, father issues. We'll, we'll call it, which led to his uh, fear of rats. Yes, and it, which is it, like to me, like the heart of the, which means to talk about the heart of the movie, and that's Ratcatcher Two, who's the one character of this whole team. There's all I feel like there's always one character in, excuse me, in like a villain team that you go, how is this person a bad? How is this person a villain? Because Ratcatcher Two is so wonderful and so heartwarming and you know she's she's the the light uh on the team essentially because her like her whole thing is that um she uh was very close with her father who's played by the the icon taika watiti which i i guess from what i've heard James Gunn had a different role in mind for him, but it depended on whether or not he was going to end up doing Akira, because that was a big thing that Taika Waititi was supposed oh, to do the live-action Akira movie. Right. 
And so it became like a question of if he gets that gig, then maybe he'll have a smaller role. Or maybe if he doesn't get that gig, he'll have a bigger role. I don't, I, I'm probably messing up that story a lot, but essentially that was the determining factor of what character he would play in the movie. Cause we always knew he was in the movie and we assumed maybe it was King shark. Yeah. There was a point I thought maybe he would be the voice of Starro. Maybe like Taika would be Starro to some degree, which would have been cool. But um, he ended up being a small a small role, but an important role because he plays the original Ratcatcher, um, um, Ratcatcher 2's father, who obviously you know was petty thief, had a drug problem, and but yet he, he loved his daughter dearly, and taught her to be a good person, um, and sadly he succumbed to his to his complicate to everything you know he was dealing with, and so she was alone. And it's something that is it's sad for her. Clearly, you know, she's still really hung up about it and it still hurts. Yeah, I, and I think about like like her interactions with the characters. I think about like the, the scene where like it's right after like the Sylvester Stallone shark nearly eats her. Um <laughs> like And she goes, You bastard Um and like I, I think this line I feel like is not only a great line for this movie, but also for uh, Guardians Volume Two. If I die because I gambled on love, it will be a worthy death. Like that is a like great that line. just I, I'm like that just says it all. I think you know it, it's a nice. Mm-hmm. It, it really sums it up just just beautifully. Like and it again like I think about like other superhero movies where like superheroes are like fighting. I think about Civil War. I think about BVS. I think about parts of Justice League where I see like my childhood icons like fist fighting each other throwing the kitchen sink at each other where like this this movie like i feel like there's more of a like a like a like a like oh kind of like bonding connection <laughs> with with <laughs> all these weirdos <laughs> it's so true though like speaking of that like i think of the scene when when Ratcatcher 2 tells the story of her father and how and then the sort of that like juxtaposition between her experience with a loving father versus Bloodsport's experience with a uh, uh, with a with a strict father, I guess, and uh, like a like someone who like roughed him up and like beat him up just to, me- to make him grow up fast or something. Abusive, um, and is, you know, I, yeah. I think, yeah, yeah. That's I mean, obviously, that's the right word, but uh, like that scene was actually kind of like. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I ever really cried at it, but I can definitely feel like the emotions in that scene and like how hard it can hit when you watch it. Just seeing the seeing those two characters bond in that very small moment over such a mutual thing, and like even, um, even seeing like a scene where Abner, where Polka Dot Man opens up about his thing, because he is essentially like the outcast of these outcasts. Because, you know, even Peacemaker's like, Polka Dot Man, what does he do, throw Polka Dots at people? He does. He throws Polka Dots at people. And he even, like, like he makes me think of people who are sort of like wallflower characters that sort of preemptively think people are going to, like, judge them. And so, like, when he does use his powers for the first time, he defends himself. Which I think is such, like, I kind of relate to that a little bit. You know, that, like, I'm so- he, he goes, I'm sorry it's so flamboyant. 
You know what I mean? Yeah, 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 like, like Ratcatcher 2 like, I actually think it kind of looks cool. Like, <laughs> I think. I think it's cool. And, he, and then I love the, 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 he just goes, I don't really like to kill people, but when I think of my mom, it's easy. <laughs> oh my God. That was the beginning of the end. That, like, that, when he says that line, I'm like, I'm going to just die every time. Or like, even when he goes, I imagine they were all my mom and killed her. <laughs> That's that whole scene, like where where they kill off those people. Oh my god! And that was almost taken out of the movie. I'm so, because of that joke. I'm so glad. I'm so glad it's there. And it just like the excessive like kills and the excess like them like trying to top each other, <laughs> uh, blood blood sport and like, uh, peacemaker. I think of the scene where peacemakers like like he has an axe and he just slices a guy's throat and there's a dude laying on like a bed with a towel like just relaxing and then you just see him like just like chop that I'm like are you kidding me I love Bloodsport shooting the fan and the fan lands in a bathtub where an unsuspecting victim is just bathing and then he dies and then oh my god and then like the the scene when um when he when he does like the whole dope as fuck bit and he like shoots the guy and he blows up oh my or even how that whole scene starts when king shark just eats fully that guy like listen can we also just talk about king shark i feel like we 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 have we've i don't want to say sidestep king shark because there's so much to talk about but like i feel like i feel like there's a build-up though because like he's such he's such an important like lovable awesome character that he kind of needs his own segment i feel like yeah like king shark um you know, I feel like King Shark's had Nanawe. Nanawe has gotten a lot of like because he's 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 been on Flash and he's been on Harley Quinn. He, listen, he's been on a bunch of stuff lately. It he, seems like King, King. There's like a renaissance for King Shark, I think, in recent years because for the longest time, like he was another, he was just another like monster villain. Like he was like he would make like sinister faces or like he would like he was one of those characters that would always be made to look cool and fierce to fight Aquaman kind of thing. Like look at this guy, he's a humanoid shark and he's fighting Aquaman. A lot of the times he'd be a hammerhead, or sometimes he would look like a great white, but typically um it was a hammerhead shark, I believe. And there's a few different humanoid shark characters, I believe. But he's the you know, King Shark, obviously. He actually is in um a few suicides. he's in uh the um, is it assault on Arkham? Yeah, and he plays, and he and he doesn't even look like a shark. He just looks like a guy with like metal jaws. Yes, I remember that. And yet, he, and yet, he is sort of silly in that, but at the same time, he doesn't look like a shark at all. Yeah. Um, but it's in recent years, I think he's become he's sort of becoming like this character, this like Renaissance character that's being used in so many different ways. On Harley Quinn, he's sort of the like fun loving um, nerd character, like the computer guy. Um, but like he sees blood and he turns vicious and wants to kill everybody. Like he's got a secret rage, right? But typically, it's all like, uh, and Rod. Uh, shout out to um, Ron Funchins, I believe his name is the actor that plays him. I hope uh, if I say that name, if I said his name wrong again, I apologize. But he's so funny, yeah, and he's so lovable as King Shark on Harley Quinn. Um, and uh, the character also shows up briefly. I think in uh, Justice League Apocalypse War, which is sort of the Infinity War of the animated DC Universe movies, and he, he has a significant moment because it's revealed that he and Constantine were a thing. Oh, I remember people talking so like, about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So like John Constantine and King Shark had a thing, so that was just kind of a fun moment. Um, but I think after this movie, 
And after obviously his appearance in Harley Quinn, I think this, I think King Shark's going to skyrocket. Like he is like in a lot of ways, like the, the Groot that will eat you. Like <laughs> it makes me think of like in Guardians One when Groot like shoot when like stabs all those dudes at and once and then smiles like, afterwards against the wall. Oh my god! Like that's 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 Nanawe like times ten. Like I think of the scene when like he bites a guy's head off and then proceeds to just gnaw at the rest of the yes. time, but like it's really cute. <laughs> but I, I love I love his mo- obviously the relationship with Ratcatcher too. Like I, I love when he's like trying try to think of like a dis- of a disguise, fake mustache. <laughs> That's what that scene makes me so happy. And she she doesn't dismiss it. She's like, oh, oh, you the other guy's like, fake mustache would never work. <laughs> like, <laughs> and then like he puts his finger under his nose. And he's like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> and it should be noted that no one is as good as James Gunn at putting famous action stars in adorable roles <laughs> oh my god and then um one of my other favorite like moments is when he goes to like that fish tank and he sees all the like like colorful jelly alien Those things. alien piranha things and he's like new dumb friends oh. and he's so happy very much like i'm like listen like stallone would make a great frankenstein monster um yes like, that would I, I, I would I would I would watch it and I, I'm glad it's also cool that he comes back because it just shows you too that it's like these people clearly he liked working with James Gunn on Guardians I mean obviously everybody likes getting paid but like it's cool like when you when you see people like like somebody like like Sylvester Stallone is probably not in any dire need of anything and it's like you know what I could be this animated shark I get to work with James Gunn that sounds like a good time I'm having a good time I'm having a good time. But I think it's also another great example of just that that tension that James Gunn was so good at building with this movie and like you think he's like you think this that this character that character is going to die because you fell in love with Nanawa, you fell in love with King Shark and there's two incidents where you think he's dead. Yeah. Where like the first one being where those jelly things start attacking him and you see blood just filling up oh, like, like there was so much blood. I'm like how like oh my god. How did he live? And then he falls out of Jotunheim as it's fallen apart. And then you're like, is he dead? And you see the tear coming out of his eye like, God, you didn't just kill Nanawe, did you? And then like, then you see that he's alive after so many people start shooting at him and he's bulletproof because of, you know, water pressure stuff like Aquaman. And so bullets are bouncing off of him. And then he's he's just like, leave me alone. And then he just gets really pissed off and decides I'm going to kill these guys. Yep. Uh, then the, and then the, se- and then the, ne- the second time more or less or third i guess technically um is when he's fighting starro and starro chucks him against uh against the wall (laughs) and you don't know like you don't see his fate and then he comes back at the end of the movie after starro is killed and he's alive and you're like yes yes listen john cena is also just uh, i i think about the like the scene in the trailer and like where he's just like Starfish is a sl- is a slang term for butthole. Slang term for a butthole. Is there any connection? <laughs> <That's> right. <laughs> like I, I, the way he asks, it's just it's just perfect. Or I even love. I, obviously, it was I I've seen it so many times because I watched the first trailer so many times when it came out. But I love the bit when he's like 
listen, if this beach was completely covered in dicks and someone had told me I'd eat every dick on this, be- on this beach uh, for the sake of liberty, I would say no problemo. And then Ratcatcher 2 is like, why would someone put fetuses all over the beach? Why- who knows what mad men do what they do? <laughs> <laughs> or uh, or the, the, he's, uh, like, it's like a delayed thing where like it feels like, a, like several seconds later, he's like, it's not a toilet seat. It's a picket of freedom. The picket of freedom. <laughs> oh my! But God. no, he's 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 so funny in the movie, and he's the one character who doesn't change at all in the movie. He, yeah, like, and for good reason because he's the one character that is sort of like this the 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 secret like compartmentalized character in case things don't go the way Amanda Waller wants. And you know, I was also. Uh, we talked about, I know we talked about Harley, but I'm thinking about like Harley's like side plot that happens uh, where she gets involved with the, with the president guy. And that was, it's so that good. was one of my favorite scenes. And it's, it's a nice, like, it's a nice reminder of like how bad Joker screwed her up. <laughs> it's, a, it's a nice reminder of how bad Joker screwed her up, but it's also, I think a nice reminder that like, like many moments in the movie, Harley Quinn like obviously i think good natured is a villain and so her initial reaction um uh to hearing that this guy's going to kill kids if they don't comply is to shoot him and kill him and and you agree with it honestly but then she obviously like goes into this tangent which it really just shows you just how like you were saying yeah just how much the joker sort of messed up her like her perception but also how she's sort of learning in her own harley way no because i think what's great too is that you know that's the one character that's had enough of a long because she's in birds of prey the original movie um where they sort of settled that anyway and so even if you didn't see those movies like you and you as long as you know that character you kind of just know the gist of it yeah, and I just think it's a and, well acted scene too. Like Margot Robbie, like knocks it out of the park. Um, again, I think I honestly think this is my favorite of her turns as Harley. Like I loved her in Birds of Prey. I even she's even like a highlight in Suicide Squad, which I don't care for that movie, but I'm glad she was cast and plays Harley Quinn. Yeah, um, she's good in all. She's yeah. great in all of them. I, I, it's just like Suicide Squad. I, the first one, I don't. I haven't revisited in a long time and I don't care to unless we get like mm-hmm. the air cut, you know? Um, and then right. birds of prey. Um, I want to rewatch it again cause it's been a while, but I haven't seen it. In a Especially while. after seeing this. And then right? with this one, it's so hard cause it's like, everybody is so good. <laughs> like, <laughs> like everybody's so good, but you know who we need to talk about? And I think uh, speaking of the original movie and how well this, Oh my God, you know, this movie improves. We need to talk about Rick Flag. Yes, we do. I'm, thank you. Oh my Be- God. Because listen, in the first movie, Joel Kinnaman, and this isn't a, this isn't a stick a, a, a stab at Joel Kinnaman as an actor. I I've seen him in a handful of things before Suicide Squad. I saw him in, um, uh, what the RoboCop remake or whatever. Oh, the reboot that had Sam Jackson. Yes, that had like Sam Jackson, and Michael Keaton in it. He was he was all right in that, um, and. Uh, in the original suicides in the original suicide squad movie he essentially plays this character he has some heartfelt moments and i did think he was good 
But at the same time, his whole thing was that he was the exposition guy. Like, I think of, obviously, the scene that's kind of infamous now. Like, this is Katana! Yeah. She's got my back! I advise you not getting killed by her Her sword. Like, why? Like, his whole thing is that he's explaining to us who this is. Okay, thank you. Um, but in this one, he, he looks different. First off, he doesn't, he longer hair, different facial hair, no facial hair, um, almost a completely different character, but it's still Joel Kinnaman and it's still that same, uh, accent, same everything. But James Gunn infused so much like heart and, and, and he's, he is like the only truly good person you feel like in the whole movie. And that was and that was something I was, like, concerned about, like, because I'm like, okay, so he's coming back. Obviously, Margot Robbie was going to come back to, like, to do this. but like, Yeah, there's no question about um, that. But I was like, and I was like, okay, great, Viola Davis. I'm like, Joel Kinnaman. I'm like, again, you know, not the mo first movie was what it was. And I'm like, and by the end of it, I'm like, I'm really upset when he gets, when he gets killed in this movie. Like, it was the, it's arguably the most traumatic death in the whole movie. It's certainly, like, the one that, like, really, like, makes my stomach queasy, because, like, you see that blade go in, and you're like, oh, God. Like, ugh. And, like, because, again, there's a, like, it's like him and Polka Dot Man, I think, have the most, like, emotional deaths in the whole movie. Because you, you fell in love with Polka Dot Man and his whole story, but then with Rick Flagg, you know, he is, like, trying to do good. And especially when you get to that one moment in the movie when... It's sort of that switch because he is the all-American soldier learning that a country that he fought for, and I think this is, this is something a lot of people I think have talked about with this one, especially given like the way everything is lately, um, the fact that this movie is the way that it is, um, like he learns that America wanted to weaponize Starro. This Starro was just a floating alien starfish enjoying life. Like like almost the exact opposite of Ego. Ego felt like he needed connections and felt like he needed something or just to take it over and make it his to have some sort of plan where Starro was just like I love I'm this. just vibing. I'm vibing. And then freaking America stole him experimented on him and he he obviously what happened happened and then of course the the, the freaking thinker comes around mr curry <laughs> who we haven't mentioned yet P peter capaldi who's hysterical at times and great in this movie um uh experimented on him and tortured him used him for decades and we learn it's because of the americans yep and that and that's a big turning point for Rick Flagg. And he says he wants to find the evidence and he wants to give it to the press. The people deserve to know the truth that this country did something this horrendous. And Amanda Waller knew. And the reason she had compartmentalized Peacemaker to say, you know, that drive needs to be destroyed. And so it gets this big fight between uh, Rick Flagg and Peacemaker, which ends in, again, arguably one of the most emotionally draining deaths when he stabs him in the chest and he pushes further and you see it pierce his heart and and he and that last line he says peacemaker what a joke and he dies 
yeah, like it, this movie, it does a lot. Like it, it's a lo- does a lot of goodwill because it's like it knows it is the sequel to a movie that was not received very well for for the most part. Yeah, a movie that even the the quote unquote director of the original doesn't like. Yeah, and doesn't approve of. Um, but like what James Gunn's able to do is not only improve upon the the thing the things that were already there. But also give us new things uh, to admire and in- enjoy, and just like it, again, like it, it just feels like such a breath of fresh air. I think about like black, like when we watch. Did, did, did you say breath of fresh air? Air? No, I didn't intend. For air. That. I'm sorry, <laughs> so, David. I, I was like, David, I hope you're doing okay, man. I hope David Ayer's doing it. I hope it. I hope David Ayer's having a good day. I think about uh, some other comic book movies sometimes too, where again with the MCU, where it's just I'm watching the same thing, same, same. It's like I get older, like, and everything like, stays the you feel same. Like, <laughs> you feel like Winnie the you feel like Winnie the Pooh and in Christopher Robin going tree, tree. tree. Another movie that has uh, Peter Capaldi. Yes, it, yes. <laughs> As Rabbit. <laughs> but oh my god um, oh you know what was one other my other favorite like moments was like obviously mm. harley's able to get herself out because harley's amazing right but they had yes. like an escape like, they had a breakout plan for harley <laughs> and it's like a nice like like <laughs> op- it shows like harley's like a strong like character she could do whatever but it's like it's a nice like moment of like friendship and like wow we got our like you, you were gonna save me and it was a good plan too i could go back inside and you could still do it it's like a nice like it's such a nice like, I, I, I like what i like what she just hugs flag and and he's just like okay <laughs> like and then he just starts like patting her back with, with his, his gun, gun. like uh-huh okay <laughs> oh my oh but and then of course like and this makes me think of like one of the like the advertising things in the movie. They said from the horribly beautiful mind of James Gunn, when Starro's defeated, like Harley pierces his eye uh, with with the javelin, you know, because that's the, that was the yeah. big running thing. And then all the rats come in, and it's just, it's beautifully colorful, and it's like wow, but it's it's so violent, it's so at the disgusting, same time. and it's so gross. But it perfectly encapsulates what Warner Brothers was marketing with that, like from the horribly beautiful <laughs> mind. I'm like that. That sells it. That does it. <laughs> it's such a perfect way. But I think it should also be noted, and I'm only saying that because it's a good pun because you wrote it in the notes. Um, <laughs> it should also be noted. Um, James Gunn is one of those directors, and I think this is an example of every movie he's done for Marvel or DC. He's one of those guys that sees what other directors do with the, with these properties and says, okay, let me show you how you actually should do it. <laughs> He's like, I was telling you this before, like I watch Guardians of the Galaxy and I think this is James Gunn saying, okay, I loved Avengers, but you should have done it like this. <laughs> or like I watch this movie and I see little moments here and there that make me think of other movies. Like I've seen some memes where it says like same energy. Like when he says monster is num num, that's your mom. Like obviously it links to the Avengers thing. Again, that's James Gunn going, this is how you do it. Not, <laughs> not, not to, you know, dog on those movies, but that's what it feels like. Yeah. It's like a, it's a tutorial on like, okay, this is, this is what, what we should, we should do with this. But again, like both of these movies, I feel like, they're like they're just great. I love them. I I will rewatch them, 
and like they're they're the action and stuff. I was I was yeah. I was excited to hear like when we were starting to watch it. I didn't know you had seen it as many times as you'd had because I was like, I knew you. We watched it the one time, and I and I do remember you watching it when you got home. Um, but I was like, how many times have you seen this movie? And I was like, was this like, would this be the third time? And he's like, no, I've seen it like five times now. Yeah, this would be like, I'm like damn. I'm probably gonna watch it. Watch it again. Like it's 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 so good. Um, like I, I think with both these movies they have ex- excellent like craft. Like James Gunn is a great great writer director the visuals in both of these are are outstanding and just and beautiful memorable characters and really funny memorable like obviously his strength is taking characters that you initially wouldn't care about or characters you might not think twice about and then making them your favorite character yeah like how many people are going to be polka dot man for halloween this oh my year? god i think a lot a lot we're gonna like outside of all the Harleys in red and red wedding dresses we're getting, which I'm totally okay with, and I'm excited to see like some of those cosplays and whatnot. But I'm I'm also very excited to see the polka dot mans. Yes, to see to see to see Peacemaker in his tidy whiteies. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! And just any t- any any outfit John Cena was in was funny to the point where like his Peacemaker costume was the least ridiculous thing about him. <laughs> When, when when they were wearing their civilian outfits and he wears this really tiny polo with these super it looks short like shorts. he's trying to go to his yacht and try to sell you like on bitcoin <laughs> i think it would have gone too far maybe but if, if he was wearing like a sweater like over that oh, wasn't tied did, did we see his shoes because if he had like dockers on it would really like <laughs> oh, no. that would but but regardless um i think in addition to all like being really funny, visually exciting, great performances, they're about something. Like there, there are there yeah. are good ideas in in great ideas that are executed well in both of these. And obviously, you know, with both, they deal with like parental stuff. I think of like some of the tweets I've seen where people going, "This is how." Again, to go back to the thing, James Gunn just shows people how to do these types of movies properly. Um, I see. I've seen some tweets or something saying like. This is how you do superhero parent parental issues mm-hmm. well, right? Which I like. I feel like is such a common thing. Like so many superheroes and supervillains have some sort of parental issue. Like Batman's parents died. Superman lost his dad to a heart attack. Spider Man lost his uncle. Like all of them, you can almost trace easily. Like this is why they're a superhero because mom, because dad, because this. Um, and I do think James Gunn did that incredibly well with this as well as with guardians volume two well i'm actually i have seven samurai playing on in the background richard and through all this recording can you can i tell you what where we're at we're at the final battle like this is the point where toshiro mifune's sword breaks and he has to get another sword which is let me, let me <laughs> see how, how how far i'm in this because i'm actually all right a three hours 17 minutes into seven samurai that's how long We've been recording a while now. We've had like interruptions. We've had some, we've had some technical snafus on my end, admittedly. But this is going to be like um, a two and a half hour episode, and normally I'd be mad about that. But this is uh, I'm I'm pretty excited. I'm, I'm hoping that the the subject matter balances that out a bit. So I do apologize. A, 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 admittedly, though, a good chunk of this will be deleted because of uh, technical issues. Um, Joey dropping the F bomb. 
<laughs> making <laughs> or making fun of or or me talking about uh certain phobias um you know possible various moments that could be deleted <laughs> it, it could be any number of things any number of things you know cuz listen this 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 type of material comes from the horrifi- horribly wonderful beautiful minds of the two dudes <laughs> no but listen uh, uh to, to quote uh jeffrey wright one choice created a whole new podcast <laughs> <laughs> i almost feel like even though that has nothing more or less to do with our movies besides the watchers showing up that has to be the intro <laughs> just you do a jeffrey wright just like the two oh dudes. man we really do and we need <laughs> oh my god and we need john to have like some like dramatic space music <laughs> <laughs> oh my god oh my god anyway <clears throat> wrap it up uh, wrap it so yeah these are these movies are great i love them both <laughs> i love them both dearly so much i can't wait to own and suicide the, su- the suicide squad i need that blue i need it i need that I blue ray and also um in regards to the first subject um uh thank you for going to disney with me and i had a fun time even though there was COVID. i'm i'm i'm, I'm glad you were there <laughs> <laughs> thank you thank I, you for, I, I, thank you for bringing me i along. wish i could have mentally teleported you out of certain situations for your sake <laughs> um i wish there was no covid <laughs> Because then it would have been more fun, but uh, lots of hugs. <laughs> and, so had fun. Uh, in- I would have kissed you. Oh, I, 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 I was anticipating it, but anyway, <laughs> anyway, folks, hey. folks, folks. Uh, what, what, what do you like about James Gunn? What, what do you? What is your favorite movie? Of what his? is your favorite James Gunn movie? You know, uh, and why is it Scooby Doo to <laughs> Monsters Unleashed? Listen, I feel like you're calling out Feehan hard right there. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even think of that. <laughs> I mean, like, and why is uh, Scooby Doo 2002 the greatest film of all time? Please let us know. We each have Letterbox, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Um, I'm I'm due to Joe, y'all. <laughs> um this is dude one he's got my back i don't know <laughs> <laughs> you say that I that's dude one <laughs> <laughs> i'm dude one i'm motherfucking dude <laughs> 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 oh, no, okay. now I'm imagining. This is too no, much. I'm thinking about the Harley Quinn. Like uh, instead, like she says, "I'm a princess. I'm a podcaster." <laughs> oh my god, I'm dude one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're out. Bye. <laughs> Have a good night, everyone. I'm gonna kiss you. <laughs>Thank you all for listening to this insane yet amazing episode of Two Dudes, One Double Feature. Please follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Special shout out to the horribly beautiful duo that is John and Kenny Armstrong. You guys are the cream of the crop. You guys are the best. Thank you so much for everything you do. And also special personal shout out from me, Dude One Richard, to Allison, Dom, Mike, and of course my dude two in crime, Joey 
I had so much fun at Disney. I know there was a lot of complications with COVID, and so there was so many things that was going on. But at the same time, you guys made me comfortable, and I had fun, which is very important to me, especially being comfortable these times. So thank you so much for that. And of course, a hint to next week's double feature. This is an epilogue to the saga of Batman movies that I take Dude 2 with, but this time we are talking about a trilogy that for many is considered the godfather of Batman movies. Stay tuned.